0: Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Jack.
1: Have you ever killed anyone? Uh, yeah, but they're all podcasts. It's <laughs> <laughs> a terrible Arnie.
2: It's not Arnold, it's Yarnel.
1: I <laughs> don't know what's going on.
2: Do you remember Yarnel, our
1: friend? Oh, yeah, Yarnel, right, right.
2: We yes. said he was going
1: to be a recurring character on this podcast. Right, he was... Uh, I am a um, We
2: forgot to, to do all the Yarnel jokes. Well, now it's coming back, baby. All right, Yarnel time. Here we are, blank check, colon, the return of Yarnel. My <laughs> name is Griffin.
1: My name is David Sims.
2: This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. It's a podcast where we study filmographies. We like looking at careers of directors in the macro mm. charting a little narrative of what Whoa. happens when someone has massive success early on and then they get a blank check. I would say that with every miniseries, we leave a tapestry. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that? It's like that? a constellation of stars, yeah. separate stars that we tie together into some larger, beautiful picture. Using star rope. Yeah, except instead of stars, they're checks. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes those checks bounce, baby! Uh, yeah. But we like to find uh, a little something good in every movie. Uh, sure. this isn't a bad movie podcast. And if you're no, if you say it is, hey, now you're wrong. <laughs> wow, we sure took it to them, whoever they are, <laughs> sticking it to the man, taking it to, to the, the streets. All right, <laughs> oh, all right. okay, no, I don't know. Um, this is a mini series, mm. it's called Potinator Judgment Cast, and it's about the films of one slippery, wet James Cameron. Absolutely. Yes, the wettest director there is.
1: Now, I know what you're thinking. That's the greatest title I ever heard. Let's leave it there. No, there's more. There's more. Podinator Judgment Cast. What more needs to be said? There's more that needs to be said by us on microphone today.
2: What needs to be said? What am I? Oh, we're the... going to talk about True oh, Lies the, today. the movie. The movie, the <laughs> specific movie we're talking about today is True Lies.
1: I just think our title is so bad, and I just like making fun of it every I think it's the
2: best. True Lies is the film that we are talking about today, 1994. Remake James Cameron's only remake. Is it his? I'm trying
1: to, yeah, yeah, it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, except Avatar is a remake of Frank.
2: That was the joke. I mean, the fucking, yeah, whatever. I was debating whether to do that or the Pocahontas, and I thought neither one was worth the energy. Uh, yeah, right. Well, yeah, it's a mashup. Yeah, Avatar is a mashup. This is a straight remake of a 1991 French farce called La Total. Do you think James Cameron saw it? Maybe or someone might have described it to him. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and uh, well,
1: he wrote the movie himself. He must anyway.
2: He did. Uh, but that's the film we're talking about today. Nineteen ninety-four, the first film under his Lightstorm deal. His
1: five hundred million dollar deal with Twentieth Century Fox. Right. Have we set the title? We did.
2: True Lies. True Lies. A uh, True Lies. Um. So yeah, as we sort of covered in past episodes, uh, Cameron makes. Two big movies of Fox. He makes Aliens and he makes The Abyss. Right, one's a big hit, one's a disappointment. Yeah. He then goes to a uh, weird uh, uh, <laughs> group of financiers and uh-huh. independent studios to make Terminator Two.
1: Sure, distributed by TriStar, I believe. Right. But right. Carolco is yeah, like, but Carolco the... was the production and company. The Terminator rights are weird. We've discussed it on our They're two really Terminator right. episodes. Yeah. Arnold. Yes.
2: Uh, hey, Arnold. Um, How did we not do Yarnold stuff on T2? I know, we forgot. And here's the crazy part. It's not like we didn't have enough time.
1: <laughs> so the running time, by the way, hey, on True Lies is a comfortable 141 minutes, and we are not going to hit that one. On no, absolutely not. 141 minutes. Come on, James. Yeah, well, there, This is a sexy spy farce. Yeah, so here are a couple
2: things to think about. It shouldn't about. be like the length of Amistad. Like, come on. It shouldn't be the length of other James Cameron movies. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the real problem. And it also, this was, at the time it was made, the most expensive film ever made. And there's no reason for it to cost that much other than the fact that it was James Cameron. And he only works up.
1: I guess so. And they blew up a bridge in Florida or something.
2: There's a version of this movie that could have cost $60 million. Yeah, Whereas definitely. there is no version of Avatar that could have cost 90 million dollars. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Uh, for sure. I'm I'm looking up the budget of Mission Impossible three, which was less than true lies, uh, like twelve or thirteen years later. And that movie has way more set pieces and looks more expensive and has Tom Cruise in it. Yeah. I'm just thinking of them because they both have that long bridge attack. Sure, yeah,
2: sure. Anyway. Um Uh, uh, but uh he makes the Abyss, it's a disappointment. He makes Terminator two, it's humongous. And Fox wants him back. They want him back, baby. And they go, hey, Lightstorm Entertainment, why don't you set up your shingle here on the 20th Century Lot? We'll give you $500 million.
1: Has this deal been fulfilled, by the way? I was thinking about this the other day. He's only directed three movies since. Yeah. But I assume some of the movies he produced were part of it as well, like Strange Days and Solaris. Uh, Perhaps.
2: Oh, because both of those were Fox as well. I, I think, I, I assume like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um I think the original deal was for 500 million dollars and 5 years. If I'm not mistaken.
1: 500 million dollars in 5 years? Yeah.
2: That's cr- You sure it wasn't 5 projects? I'm going to look this up. I think it was 5 years. Cuz he made the two films within that 97 and 94.
1: Uh god damn it, all this shit about Avatar's budget comes up. Okay, whatever. Who gives it costs five hundred million the to point make is, that movie.
2: Right. The point is, this is the first film he makes. They give him this deal at Fox. He goes, first thing, remember Abyss, that movie you were the one movie I made that didn't do well? You're gonna give me more money to finish it. And they went, Oh, fine.
1: Right. They gave him a little bit of a few million bucks to just uh remaster and re-release
2: and finish the ending of the yeah. Abyss. Yes. Um they gave him like three quarters of a million dollars, I think. And then um I, really digging into this. Carry yeah. On, carry on. I haven't been able to find much uh, information about what drew him to True Lies or how it happened, but it kind of felt like t- watching it just sort of feels like he was like, I'd like to make another thing with Arnold.
1: Yeah. It is funny. So T2, he makes T2. Mm-hmm. T2 the biggest hit. It's huge. It's humongous. It, it makes a gazillion dollars. It costs a ton and it makes like huge profit. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like you can't really be superlative about it. Right. It sort of cements Arnie as. One of the biggest stars in Hollywood, certainly one of the highest paid. Yeah. So, all that, it's logical that he would make an action movie with Arnie again, right? Very logical. What's not logical is James Cameron doesn't usually make a logical decision like that. No. Usually, the next thing he does is sort of like a weird left turn, and uh, you're like, oh, why is he making an undersea alien movie? And like, what?
2: Anyway. Here are a couple things I'll say about this movie. One is it's the only movie he's made that feels like a career move to me, right? Uh yeah. You could mean, argue that Terminator 2 as a response to the Abyss was sort yeah, of a movie, so. but what he made Terminator 2 into is such a weird choice.
1: Me, sure, but I think. But this is So this is a for them type movie. I guess so. I mean, it's just when you think about James Cameron and that's what this podcast is about. Wait a second. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. I'm in the middle of a point, goddammit. What was your point? Um this doesn't seem to be any of the shit
0: that he's interested in at all.
2: Agreed, can I make a point? Yeah. I think that was the voice of our producer. Oh uh, yeah, no, okay. hey,
0: I just just added my two two cents. Hey. Producer Ben? Yeah. The Ben Ducer? <laughs> hey guys. Produer Ben? The poet laureate? I did write poetry in college. Mr. Positive. I Wait, you did? Yeah. Come on, that's breaking news. <laughs> did it did it did it did it, did it? Poetry corner.
1: <laughs> Ben's poetry corner. Do you still have any of it? Of course. Oh, okay. So, did you write it for girls, or did you write it for to like sort of spill your soul onto the page?
0: Uh, I wrote it. For girls for sure. Uh I was a tortured soul.
1: Guys, I just I just know Ben.
0: Like Okay, know. so let's just
1: paint a picture. Ben, yeah. dirt bike, slingshot in the back pocket. Wait a second, no, no, no. That's that's Teen Ben. <laughs> dirt bike Benny. Dirt bike Benny, which is Teen Ben. Uh-huh. Right? One day if we release like a series of action figures of like all of Ben's phases of life. Which that we would plan be to. Ben. We're in negotiations. College Ben is like emo tortured. Like no, right? no. poetry. Don't, don't don't label me emo. Sorry.
0: I'm sort of like, I'm like a, a, a tortured up. punk.
1: Okay, yeah, all right, sure. You're a tortured okay. punk. And so then what's post-college, Benny?
0: Because uh,
1: that I imagine you like hanging out at punk shows and uh, being into like the DIY scene or something, Like, right? Like, Yeah,
0: I, I mean, I was... Um, to me,
1: you're like the Emilio Estevez in Mission Impossible, you know what I mean? Like you've got kind of weird glasses and, I don't know, just sort of a look.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely had a look about me. I was sort of like into um, graffiti culture at the time and was like, yeah, I don't know, running around causing trouble.
2: Ben really has lived a thousand lives. It's unbelievable. I I mean, I don't know.
0: I just have always been uh, interested in new experiences, Trying new things.
2: Well, like uh, you know, being the tiebreaker. Yeah, being the fuckmaster. Mm-hmm. Having birthdays. Birthday Benny. Mm-hmm. I get a Benny birthday Benny. We already every said. Year. You yeah. do yeah. remember birthdays, don't you? Yeah. yeah. No. Can you confirm or deny? Have you ever been Professor Crispy? Never. Never. Okay. And uh, let's, let me just check my facts here. Mm-hmm. It says here yeah. that you have graduated to certain tells over the course of different miniseries. That's true. That's okay. That's true. So just let's get a quick uh, true or false to all of these. Get all okay? the diplomas out and go through them. Okay. <clears throat> Producer Ben Kenobi? Yep, that's correct. Kylo Ben? Yeah. Ben Chamelon.
0: Oh, right. Yeah.
2: Ben hmm Say, mm-hmm. Say Benny thing?
0: Dot, dot, dot. Correct.
2: Okay. And one last question. Uh, right. If we saw you on the streets, how, how should we greet you? Yeah.
0: Uh, you could always say, hello, fennel. Oh, hello, fennel. Yeah. Well, hey, this is a movie that I watched, and fuck, I love it, man. 1994. I wish I could live in it forever.
2: There's some great computers in this movie. Yeah, Ben, oh.
0: before we started recording, was just like,
1: man, 1994. Remember how it smelled, guys? Remember the smell
2: of 94? <laughs> mm.
1: What a weird guy Ben is. The best we got. All right, that's
2: enough about Ben. So, True Lies. I love you, Ben. Yeah, we love you Uh, too. I love you too, guys. Ben Hosley. Okay, True Lies, 1994. It just, does James Cameron care about, like,
1: secret identities and marriage and things that are funny? He's not a funny guy. He's not a funny
0: guy. I was so excited because I've seen this movie with a new lens since we've been doing the James Cameron miniseries. This is like a weird divorce movie.
2: Yeah, that's kind of true.
0: Kind of. So, I, I, and it, so
2: he's married to Linda Hamilton well, when he makes this movie. Yeah, I, let me
1: let me yeah. get the, the uh, except because I remember the Abyss, of course. Right, is that, the Gale Gale does seem Ann like he's wearing course. his heart yeah. in his sleeve. Yeah. No, this movie he makes in between marriages. Okay. So now I assume that he is dating and/or living with Linda Hamilton. And he's already had point. a child with her,
2: but they're not married yet.
1: Just trying to figure it all out. Uh, so you know, he was married to uh, Galen Hurd, and we talked about that. And that's, Correct. the Abyss is sort of about that. Then he's briefly married to Catherine Bigelow.
2: Oh, right. That happens. From 1989 to
1: 1991. That happens
2: at that time period. Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, and they break up, uh, but he still works with her and helps her make Strange Days. Which, which is part of his Lightstorm deal. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll one day talk about on this podcast. Right. So then he has the kid with Linda Hamilton in 93. So that's okay. post-T2. They have so Josephine So he's together. on production
2: in this, pretty Most much. Most likely. Yeah.
1: And then they got married. They started dating pretty much around T2, 91. Mm-hmm. They got married in 97, wow. but broke up almost immediately. The marriage ends in 99, but they broke up right. eight months after getting married.
2: Yeah, she's with him at the Oscars, and I think it's pretty much done at that point. That's and a weird timeline.
1: They break up, you know, because he gets married, and I think he'd already been having an affair with Susie Amos, he later admits.
0: Yeah, so it, it probably all seems on Titanic.
1: Very, well, yeah. yeah, they met on the set right. Titanic yeah. or something, maybe post, but like they met there. Yeah. Now he's been married, of course, to Susie Amos since 2000, and they appear to be it's his longest uh, marriage. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh. So this is, I get. You know. Maybe he's commenting on, like, the workaholic life and how it had wrecked three of his marriages. I don't know. I don't know the details of him and Catherine Bigelow's marriage very well.
2: Uh, I don't e- either. Um. He's a complicated guy. He's a complicated guy, and it's hard to get a read on him because he doesn't open up about this stuff uh, when I call him and just try to catch up. Um. I do think, I mean, I, I think this is the central point. And I should mention quickly, uh, Gerald Milligan is not on this episode. We'd previously oh, promised yeah. that he was going to be on this episode. Uh, scheduling difficulties. Uh, we're, we're a group of busy men with multiple plates being spun, each respectively and collectively. Yes. Uh, Gerald will be on our next miniseries. Uh, we'll find a place for him. Uh, he's overdue as a guest, and we're excited to have him on. And uh, uh, apologies for, once again, uh, Urbaniac-style calling the shot and then failing to follow through on it. <sighs> Uh, Thanks for the burp, Ben. I do think this is the only film in his filmography, if we don't count Piranha 2, because he only sort of half-owns it, right? Yeah. I do think it's the only film in his filmography that could have been directed by someone other than James Cameron. Probably. Every other film could only be a James Cameron movie.
1: But nonetheless, he's bringing lots of Cameron to the table. But I know what you mean. But you know what I'm saying. His obsessions don't seem to drive it in the same way.
2: Yes. And, yeah. And even sort of the, the technical explorations on a filmmaking side, you know, that are usually like, he's the only guy to be able to push the technology to do this kind of thing. This movie isn't breaking any barriers other than in how much a movie could cost. Sure. I also think on a similar page, it's the only James Cameron movie that might have been better had someone else directed it. Like, I whoa. think James Cameron brings some interesting stuff to the table. I want to build up to my point. I'll reveal it later of who I think could have directed the ideal. It better of this be movie.
1: someone who was big in '94, else I'll be mad at you. It will because you is. can't go ahead and say you no. know Brad Bird. Or no, it know. is.
2: I have the right answer. I have the right answer for who should have directed this movie instead.
1: <sighs> this is a weird movie. I also think it has a very strange star, yep. and for the story it's trying to tell, and that it is all the more successful because it you know it's all the more impressive that it works considering Arnie, and it's kind of uh, I would say kind of a good example of what Arnie brings to the table even though he's so wrong for this role yeah, like on paper I
2: almost think the movie works in spite of Arnie I think anytime he has to do something that isn't an action scene the movie gets really clumsy
1: Well it's just the classic Arnie conundrum where they start casting him as sort of Everyman all-American
2: parts. goofballs yeah.
1: and it's just auda- it's so insane to do that that yeah. you almost <laughs> admire it you're like yeah okay I guess Arnie's normal yeah. Right.
0: How did they pull and, that off? I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't even like blink an eye at that, but he is not a normal person. He's, he's not
1: huge. He's <laughs> busting out of his freaking like button down shirt,
0: basically. Well, that's the
1: problem with uh, any. Sorry, yep. I was caught at work, sweetie.
0: It's just like, and you she's just like, never he's play so it. boring. Like, he's this well, right. giant yeah, she, man.
1: I could never believe that he'd be a spy. <laughs> Hip, my old boring husband, Harry Tasker. Come on, he's such a dull. I, I think that's the inherent
2: problem with this movie. It is sort of the, the Incredibles joke.
1: Yes, uh, you know where, except of course in the Incredibles. In the everyone, yeah. right? Everyone knows, you know, in his family at least knows that he is really a, a former superhero. But, but at the
2: very least, in the Incredibles. He's gained a lot of weight. His hairline's back. He yeah. looks so sad.
1: Well, it, animation helps, obviously,
2: right. sort of exaggerate. Exactly. All of his, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you Definitely. go, like, this guy's huge, but he also doesn't look like how he used to look. This sort of central issue in casting him is, like, you look at Jamie Lee Curtis in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And transformation's a big element of her character Absolutely. and her performance. Mm-hmm. Where, like, at the beginning of the film when we see her and you're supposed to believe that she's sort of a wallflower, you know? And that she's kind of like a quote unquote boring housewife who's settled into some sort of suburban domesticity. Right. You know she's still Jamie Lee Curtis. You do. You're very hyper aware of the fact that she's like making herself more boring and dressing herself Dowdy. down. Yes. Right. And it's like a heightened sort of character. Yeah, performance. it's totally fine. You, it you, you're, works. You're on board from the beginning to the end. And right? it reads. You know. You understand the coding of what's going on. There's no question. Whereas Arnold Schwarzenegger never shifts his posture. His his any outfit he's wearing, you know what I'm saying? But this is what I'm saying. It's so
1: ridiculous that you almost love it because it is just so nuts that he does. You're right, and this is my problem with
2: the movie. We, we I think, barely
1: see him in beaten down husband mode, and I think that's it's partly maybe because they they don't want to sell it because they know. They I can't.
2: think so too, but I but I also feel like my issue with this movie. It's a movie I'm really on the fence about. I teeter back and forth, and watching it last night was only the second time I'd seen it. Mm. The first time I saw it, I just went, oh, fine. I was probably 15. I love James Cameron. I
1: I mean, certainly for some of my friends, this is a movie that was just in in heavy rotation. Yeah. A movie they loved. I've seen it. Yeah. This is probably my third time seeing it. Yeah. I've seen it. It's on cable. I've seen this a lot. I mean, it's a real
0: Ben movie. It's a real Ben movie. Me and my friends were... It like really into this. Feels like it could have been a Ben's choice. Like it, it could have, have been, been on Ben's a long choice. list yes, of Ben's choice. I agree. It's like it's all the things that we could check off. It's like dumb action movie that's easily digestible.
2: I agree. Yeah. I do think uh all, but, but it's also really long. I mean that's the other thing. It's got this weird It's too long. It's the Cameron five act structure thing. It does, yeah. You know? I mean it's
1: it's all wrong by today's Hollywood standards you would never make a movie this with this plot today yeah you could make the same exact movie uh like you know the same premise right I feel like they do right I mean I just feel like we've seen now we've seen this premise so many times right like yeah maybe more on tv but you know the guy's a super spy and his family doesn't know you know how do you or vice ah, versa yeah whereas so and you would think it would go kind of like you know, I guess the movie sort of follows that structure, but then it just has this weird long middle. All the from Bill Paxton's introduction, all the way through to basically the finale, or at least because, the final act. Because
2: Bill Paxton's introduction to that—that's an entire act of yeah, that's just saying. them. To, that
1: whole chunk, yes. you're like,
2: wait, what? What is happening? It's a five-act movie. I mean, I'd say the opening set piece is an act in and of itself. I didn't take a stopwatch to it, but I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis enters until like 35 minutes into the movie. I think the whole opening mission and then seeing him with Tom Arnold and all that stuff, I don't think he gets home until after half an hour into the movie.
1: Uh, that sounds about right.
2: Right? Okay. Then there's like half an hour of like, you know. I'm trying to remember exactly. There, you don't even see her? You do see her. I don't think so you see her, her be- until right. they, there's the dinner scene. Am I wrong about that? Or when he gets home and gets into bed with her?
1: Mm, That's but- the introduction is when he gets into bed with oh, wait, her. Wait, so what's happened before then? All this stuff. At the, the whole sort
2: of- fucking opening mission.
1: It's not half an hour. There's no way. That's really? Not, yeah, no. That's, that's at least 20 minutes. No, no. It's That's like the opening. There's the opening set piece, and then we do see him at home. Tom Arnold shows up and makes 50 weird jokes about Eliza Dushku, and then we jump into another set the piece. The opening is really long. No, it's not. Yes, what? it is. What? No, it's not that long. Yes, it is. Like 20 minutes, right? That That's pretty long.
0: Eh.
1: What happens in it? Come on, he... He he does like swims underwater. It's like five set pieces. That's the thing. It's like it keeps on he extending. A, then he
2: goes around, and he then he a has a whole conversation with T. Career. He does the dance, and then he leaves. He infiltrates. I mean, look, I can't argue this because I didn't take a stopwatch to the movie. Should have taken a stopwatch to the movie. Yeah,
1: I don't think it's. I can't remember either. I mean, whatever. But the then movie like, is very long. There's a whole I chunk of like the that.
2: banalities of like not the banalities, but just sort of like getting you acclimated to his work environment, seeing how it works. Charlton Heston is Nick Fury.
1: That's a weird choice,
2: right? You just—it's—it's not a weird
1: choice if he then shows up back later. But when you see him, you're like, "Oh, okay." Charlton Heston's the boss. Maybe he's going to be a
2: bad guy. And he's on credit, like he wasn't in the advertising material or anything. he's credited in the movie, but he's not in the opening credits. I think he wasn't on the poster. He wasn't in the trailers. I swear or anything. he's in the opening credits. Really? We're gonna keep and fighting. Charlton Heston. I'm pretty sure. but okay, Again, I would you know now we're I just don't I was looking through the advertising material and he wasn't he's present in any of it
1: he's definitely not I I just yeah he's definitely no but he is credited in the movie okay you know it's like Eliza Dushku Grant Heslov Charlton Heston no no I think he gets it's yeah. an <laughs> <laughs> just be funny if he was sandwiched between Char- Grant Heslov and like one of the one of the
2: terrorists. Yeah. It just like I mean the whole section of him trying to figure out what's going on between her and Bill Paxton takes a really long time. Well, so we're going to talk about that. But yes, that's before the before they chunk even of- activate on the mission and then there's like the fake out ending before you get to the final yeah. 20 minutes with Elijah Dushku. And also and- you don't
1: know what the movie's conspiracy, is. you know, like you yeah. don't really know what the bad guys are after. They're just kind of bad guys. They also drop them for 45 minutes. And they drop them for a long time yeah. and you're- I think I think the weirdest thing about revisiting this movie, and I feel like we're now both sound like we don't like it, and I do actually enjoy the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, the weirdest thing about the movie is just that when the Bill Paxton stuff starts, you're like, oh, this is just going to be like 10 minutes, right? Like, this is just yeah. a little detour, like a funny little thing. And then it kind of takes over the movie in a way you don't totally understand, and it takes way too long for the movie to let go of it.
2: Well, it's here's the thing. It's simultaneously my favorite and least favorite part of the movie.
1: Agreed. The yeah,
2: I know what you mean that section of the movie is kind of at odds with the rest of the film. Yeah, but I think it's kind of interesting on its own. Sure, I think Bill Paxton's character is really interesting. I think Paxton's very good. Oh at my it. god, it, he is such a good scumbag. Such he a good scumbag. scumbag. Um, but what is interesting about it is for that chunk of the movie, this like middle thirty to forty minutes. I'd say it's like a solid thirty minutes, right? Where it's mostly about like you yeah. start suspecting. I mean, and longer
1: if you then include the sort of interrogation of her. And yeah, all which the I'd stuff include. Come, yeah, yeah, all the stuff that comes after,
2: right? Yeah. Um, it it pretty much becomes like, so so this is my thing with this movie. I think this movie is teetering right on the edge of being like a very self-aware satire, mm-hmm. right? It's like is everything problematic in this movie, and I don't mean problematic even just socially. I mean like cinematically, right? Uh, but also both, yeah. both. I I just want to make it clear it's not exclusive to one no, idea no, go or ahead. the other. Go okay, ahead. is everything that is problematic in this movie self aware and satirizing the inherent problems in action movies of this ilk mm. and in sort of fragile masculinity, which is what causes but you want more. That's the problem. Yeah, and James Cameron obviously is not master of laughs, right? Yeah. He's never been a very funny guy. And when he does comedy, he does it broad. It's like like a diffusion. It's very broad. Like, is
1: there anything in Titanic that is funny? Yes. You laugh at things. Right. But that's supposed to be funny? Like, that's just a straightforward joke? That stuff
0: you're like, it's well, oh. The sh- that shit's like the, like. Like uh, the spitting scene. Something Picasso.
2: No, like the, shit the, like that. When it
0: hits the iceberg, though, <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> the Picasso
1: joke is a perfect example of, right. what, of what we're talking about. Where you kind of go like, huh, okay, I get it. Yeah. But you don't laugh. And right. then Avatar, too, like. Yeah. I mean, I laugh at stuff. Like right. Giovanni Rabisi scrolling too fast on the 3D map. Yeah. But, like, those are weird, like. He's not a funny guy.
2: Well, the difference is like, okay, in like action films or horror films, genre films that are mostly based on tension, the idea is to use comedy as like a bit of a diffusion, right? To release some tension before you load some more back in. So it's the difference between like someone who's like a master of balancing tones. I'm not saying, uh, saying this as a criticism of James Cameron. It's just not what he excels at, right? Sure. But someone who would like, you know, someone like Hitchcock, right? Where he's got like really sort of sharp, subtle humor yeah. and also has like this sort of, Cranking tension.
1: Sure, but I'll... Yeah, go
2: ahead. He maybe never ties off the balloon. He holds onto it and then very slowly at certain points lets go a little so a little air comes out, right? Right. I think when Cameron makes a joke, he literally sticks a pin into the balloon and air comes out really quickly and then they have to, like, put the finger over it. It's a good... It's a good metaphor. Right? And uh, in this movie, you're like... Well, this whole period, especially like at this time, we're kind of at the peak of it of like this arms race between Schwarzenegger and Stallone that was so based in like sort of who had the bigger dick, right?
1: And like whose movie had more explode. I don't know. It's all pre Michael more attractive
2: women, right? This is when the a star was still tour, Yeah. And the shift is with Bay, it becomes the director is the one. But
1: beyond that, with Bay, it becomes, yeah, it's spectacle first. There is a weird sense of irony to it, even if you're not detecting it because yeah. it's just so stupid. Right. But like, y- yeah, I mean, I guess with Bay comes like Hollywood's like, oh, these movies don't need to even be good. We don't even need to write a script probably. Right. Yeah. Just like set piece, like we'll just plan eight giant set pieces.
2: And the other interesting thing. And I like
1: Michael Bay in some ways. I do too. And I dislike him in other ways. I I do too. His his impact on the industry is fascinating. But it is crazy that Bad Boys is 95, right? Yeah. So I really do think you're seeing people like James Cameron. You're looking at me putting my hand on the wall. Yeah, I am. It's interesting. Uh, At this point, they're like, I feel like I've done all I can with an action movie, with just a straightforward action movie. Right. Right. And like so then like these other guys are sort of rushing in. To fill the gap. Bay being the best of them. There's so many bad ones, like Simon West or. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the thing I
2: find interesting about Michael Bay is that his protagonists are largely beta males. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, he makes these movies that feel like Stallone-Schwarzenegger movies in terms of sure, attitude. Sure, no, but they're, but they're guys the who have a huge chip on their it. shoulder Right, whatever, but it's right. Nick Cage in The Rock, or it's Shia LaBeouf in the Transformers or movies. Or even, you know, Martin Lawrence. I or, was going to say, yeah. 100%. But I mean, a Ewan McGregor in The Island. This is the other thing. Will
1: Smith is kind of a beta male and an alpha male. Right. He, I mean, he finds that balance better than anyone I'm forgetting just the Michael Bay movies, he's but probably also the best leading man state, that Michael men Bay. Men in black, yes. someone who's a tough guy, but is also really funny the whole time. Like right. he's always kind of undercutting himself, but he's also really cool.
2: Like, and he just like can always keep those two things going at the same time. Well, Will Smith is kind of our bridge to the modern perception of masculinity in leading men. Mm-hmm. He's sort of the guy who gets us from Stallone and Schwarzenegger to today's, like, you know, Bradley Cooper or whoever, where it's like you can't just be McKismo. Uh, totally, You totally, know, yes. And, and and even someone like Jason Statham, part of his thing it. is that he feels kind of vulnerable and he's got this but quiet, sh- whispery voice. Schwarzenegger
1: does love playing with his machismo in his own weird way. In his own weird and way. And this movie definitely does, well, and, but
2: yes. only to a certain extent. I just think at this time, that has all, all reached a peak where these movies are odes to these guys' masculinity, mm-hmm. right? And then this is a movie about like fragile masculinity. Mm-hmm. It's about the panic of that. And so the whole Bill Paxton section of the movie is essentially, and you're going to be angry at me for using this word, but the whole section of the movie is this horror movie where it's like, okay, the whole first chunk, we've watched him deal in like really high stakes life and death situations. He's in a real action movie. But
1: but also where he's just like, God, this is my job. Exactly. He never loses his cool. It's work a day. It's
2: blue collar. It's clock in. It's clock out. Right? The Bill Paxton section is the only section where he's like suddenly like in an emotional panic. And it's because the greatest threat for this character is being cuckolded. Absolutely, but and and I think that's interesting. My problem
1: with the movie is that it doesn't fuck with him enough for that fear.
2: I agree, and it also feels like it kind of ha- is taking his side a l- too much. I agree, it's taking
1: his side too much. It doesn't feel knowing enough, and it he pushes things way too much, and all he's getting is pushback. Is Tom Arnold occasionally being like, "I don't know, man. Like this seems a little much," and he's like, "We just have to do it." He's like, "Oh, okay," and then. Finally, the movie does hand off to Jamie Lee Curtis, and to me, that's a good move. I agree, and I like it once it does that. But it takes it takes a little while to do it.
2: Well, the problem is he's an actor incapable of showing vulnerability.
1: I mean, and we don't mean that it's like he doesn't want to. I think it's just actually, I think it's physically very tough impossible for him to do. It's yeah. very tough to sell him as a vulnerable person.
2: Now you can do it. Now you can. Cause now cause he's, he's kind of old and broken down. Right. But at that point in time, I mean, just physically, there's a problem with Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, whereas, you know, the test for whether or not to cast Arnold in a role is, would any time that character walk into a room, would someone go, wait, who the fuck are you? You know, Mm -hmm. like if the plot of the movie would get slowed down by logically characters should be asking who the fuck he is and why he looks that way, then he's wrong for the role. Mm -hmm. And this movie, he's so he's the least. But that's, that's the Arnie magic, isn't it? That's right? the I mean, thing. That's I mean, that's the, the catch-22. You know. yeah. And so it's almost like this movie is trying to analyze his star persona in the same way that Last Action Hero does. I think this movie's more well-executed than Last Action Hero, but yeah, Last Action, Last Action is Hero- Way more interesting. Right. right, right. It's but a more interesting a idea of how to deconstruct him. Right. But this is a better movie. This is a better movie. It, it's inarguable. Okay, um, so let's get to the plot. I mean, those are the main themes I want to lay just, out. off, some other things coming up. Just yeah. two brief things? Two brief things. Well, just about the two stars. Sure. We
1: talked about Arnie a lot in T2. Yeah. But just to reiterate, you know, before this, he made Last Action Hero. That's a bomb. The same year, Junior comes out. I think it does okay, but. Uh-huh. That's 93. It's really. 94. 94. Okay. No, the same year as True Oh, Loss. wow. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Junior yeah. comes out. Yeah. Uh, gets really bad reviews, and you know, I don't know. And then I think it was, we talked about everything after that, is Arnie and serious decline. Yeah. Eraser, Jingle All the Way, Batman and Robin, End of Days, Sixth Day, Collateral Damage, Terminator 3, Governor. Yeah. You know, and so. We talked about it in T2, but for this, really, it is the end of, like... Yeah, this is the last big one he has. Yeah. Now, what's Jamie Lee Curtis been up to? Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean,
2: out of the gate strong. You go Halloween, Trading Places.
1: Uh, Halloween, The Fog, Prom uh-huh. Night. We forget she was in a lot yeah, of Yeah, I movies. did forget that. Terror
2: Train. Jeez. Halloween
1: 2, although she's only in that... I no, no. Very... no, no, she's in that. She's in that. Yeah, no, okay. she's straight up in that. And then trading places. And so trading like, places
2: was her first non-horror. That's movie.
1: eighty-three and Halloween is seventy-eight. So yeah, like after a few years as being like a scream queen, right? Like whoa, she's so funny in that movie. She's so hot. She's like a star, right? She wins a BAFTA award. Wins a BAFTA, very best supporting actress, which yeah, is weird. The, well, because the BAFTAs used to be fun and different. You know, right. the BAFTAs really look back at the eighties and early nineties. They gave out.
2: They did whatever the fuck they wanted. Well, and do you know who they gave? Do you know who they gave best supporting actor to that year? Uh, I'd, I'd have to look at. I can I'd, tell you who it is. Denholm Elliot for Trading Places. That is an
1: interesting They choice. gave both of their supporting that trophies to Trading Places. That movie was huge in Britain. I, that is, that's so funny. Because I would even
2: think if you're going to give a supporting trophy for Trading Places, I'd, I'd maybe go that's, Donna Meshe more year. than Denholm Elliot. Yeah,
1: that's the year Educating Rita and Trading Places
2: sweep the masses. Yeah. What like what the fuck? <laughs> because it Educating Rita wins Picture, Actor, Actress. That's <laughs> the thing that people don't talk about is like before like 2000... Every award show used to have different results. Well, because this is the thing. The BAFTAs
1: wasn't televised in America. Right. So they who cares? And even when I lived in Britain, the BAFTAs had the movie awards at the same day, the same ceremonies, the TV awards. Yeah. So you would have like Educating Rita, Best Picture, and then like Coronation Street, Best Soap Opera. You know, like everyone was just there and it yeah. was kind of dorky. And also and then, like, you know, then they yeah. turned into an Oscar precursor. And right. I think that just ruined them. They all start getting screeners and I don't know, like, yeah.
2: And then, like, you look at something like, if you look at the history of, like, the Independent Spirit Awards before they were televised and before indies broke through to the Oscars, Absolute. so they got oh, covered God. there. They made so many cool choices. Like, Spalding Gray was nominated for Best Actor for Swimming to Cambodia. Who it's would think Irms. to nominate? Right, but it's, like, it's a Have monologue film. That's such now? non-linear thinking. Have you seen all the Doc Now's this year, or are you, like, having... I'm a little behind, I, but I think it's probably the best show on television. I agree. Yeah. All right. It's extraordinary. Yeah, okay. I can't recommend uh, this whole season enough.
1: Uh, So Jamie Lee Curtis, and then she does her comedies. She does Trading Places. She does uh, Perfect.
2: Not really a comedy, but funny. Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. She does a fish called Wanda. Right, great in that. Yeah, gets a BAFTA nomination and a Golden Globe nomination. Yeah, BAFTAs love Jamie Lee. Uh, Uh, And
2: and she got a Golden Globe for True Lies as well. She never gets the Oscar. She won the Golden Globe for True Lies, which yeah, but they put her in Best Actress. Best Actress in a
1: comedy. Yeah. She's the lead, I would say, in this movie.
2: I agree. Yeah. SAG put her supporting, and she didn't get the Oscar nomination, which I think might have been an issue. Of right, weird category, category shit there.
1: Yeah, but yeah, she's in Blue Steel with, uh, which is directed Big by Low. Catherine Bigelow. So maybe right. that's one way she's getting in touch with Cam. Sure. Uh, she's. In I My... would guess
2: that's probably it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She's in My Girl and Forever Young. Uh huh. So I feel like I guess at this point she's transitioning out of comedy and more into like mom territory. A little bit more into like 30s actress, you know, sure. a, a actress in her 30s. You yeah. Know, but Hollywood is... starts being like, let's yeah, let's get you in a house frock. You know,
2: <laughs> you're boring now. I'm always interested in like a uh, movie star. in It's their... not fair. I just want to be yes. clear. Yes. I <laughs> it's not, agree. Not a good thing. I agree. Um, movie star in their third decade is always interesting. You know, if you've been able to exist in three separate decades. She's only 28 when she makes this movie. Are you serious? Isn't that crazy? Wait, how's that fucking possible?
1: She was born in 1958. Oh no, I'm getting it wrong. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. totally off. Yeah, thank she's you. She's like 36. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. There's that no way she's sense. 20. I, I just was yeah. doing the
2: math and I was like,
1: wait, what? Like right. that's that's a, oh, even for Hollywood, yeah. outrageously sexist. No,
2: I was gonna say from because from late 70s to early 90s, she has now stepped foot in three different decades. Sure. If you're able to bridge mm-hmm. different sort of cultural trends. I mean, I was talking with uh, past and future guest Richard Lawson the other day about Mm. how interesting I find this phase of Tom Hanks' career. You mean right now, Tom Hanks? Right now, because he's gone through so many different phases, Mm -hmm. and he's found his sort of new footing. He's had to evolve in all these different ways.
1: mid-2000s Hanks, where he's struggling to figure things out, is a really interesting Hanks.
2: Right. We're now in like the fourth decade that Tom Hanks has existed in as a leading man, and uh, what I find interesting about it is he stripped away all the tricks- And he's become really good at playing people who are really good at their job without any theatrics because on a meta level, Tom Hanks is just so good at his job. That's his
1: persona as a person. He exudes
2: a sort of quiet, calm, Mm. confidence, and control, you know? And like Sully, Bridge of Spies, Hologram for the King, Captain Phillips. Yeah, it's interesting. Right. He has, all right. He's found his groove again. Three or four of those were, you know, out of four were very successful. Jamie Lee Curtis is now in her third major phase, right? Yeah. But it's in a weird nebulous one. It hasn't totally found footing yet. And it's not
1: going to, I feel like it's not going to make it. No. No. Because after True Lies, it's like, she doesn't even really make, she makes house arrest, which I haven't, I don't even know what that is. What
2: oh, is. right, with, the uh, yeah, Who's the fucking dad in that? Evan Paul That's
1: what I was going to say. Jeez, right. And then Fierce Creatures, the sort of quasi-sequel to A, a Fierce Called Wanda that right, is not Right, which was funny. a big flop. I mean, yeah. it's not its not a sequel that just has the same cast. And right, same and it was sort of team. thematically,
2: it was trying to be their runaway bride.
1: But it's really, have you seen that movie? No, it's I haven't. Really Fred
2: Skepsi directed it? Yes. Yeah, weird.
1: And then she makes Halloween H2O 20 years later. Which was a big hit. Which was a hit and is a fascinating movie, even though it's not quite as good as you want it to be. But uh-huh. it's such a good idea where they're like, Forget those other Hollywood Halloween movies. That was
2: all a bad idea.
1: Yeah. We're just going to make a sequel to Halloween 2, right? Like, let's just pretend like this is a J.B. Lee Curtis series.
2: Which, you know, I've talked about it a little bit in the Jack Reacher series, is one of the things I love about the Godzilla franchise. Because do you know sure. the Godzilla franchise does that a lot? Sure. Where right. they're like, this next one is just going to be a direct sequel right. to. They've made like six Godzilla 2s. <laughs> sure. They made six them. films right. that treat every That's other Godzilla like film. like comic books.
1: Yeah. Where some new guy comes in and is like, well, the thing I like is this. So exactly. can't we just do this again? Like, yeah. go back to this. Yeah. yeah,
2: I just love that there have been, like, six times where someone's gone, like, I'm going to make a film that's the first Godzilla attack since 1954, because I'm an artist who wants to put my spin on sure. the Godzilla exactly.
1: thing. Uh, And then I feel like that's a big hit. Then in the 99, she makes Virus. Huge flop. Huge flop. And I feel like that's it for Jamie Lee Curtis as an above-the-title star. Okay, I'd let's t-
0: talk about Tom Arnold. Well, I just want to say she has one more big movie, Freaky Friday. Thank you,
1: fantastic movie. Which well, she got some right. Oscar she, hype for, and she got a Golden Globe nomination. Right, she's so good in it. But that is a mom role. Yeah, it's it's definitely you're right, a big starring role right. with Lindsay Lohan, obviously. But... And it was a
2: big late summer surprise hit, huge hit. But I and it don't was think... supposed to be someone else who dropped out the last second. Annette Bening, maybe. I believe you. Jamie Lee Curtis took over like a week before, and then she got like the best reviews she'd gotten in a long she... time in her career because she's incredible in the movie. Yeah,
1: but. Nonetheless, that's not Disney thinking. Like, oh, here we're going to have a big no. L- Jamie Lee vehicle. But in our but
2: hands. the thing is, after that, I think there's an attempt to do the fourth wave of Jamie Lee Curtis, which is mom and family comedies, so and the Christmas other ones don't with work. The cranks, right? Ugh. She did um, uh, that Kristen Bell uh, "You Again" movie, which is Kristen Bell's mom. Um, I mean, she's, I mean, that's
1: basically it. She actually has sort of stopped working.
2: She's largely retired from acting. I mean, Apparently she she was in Veronica Mars, the movie. I did not see it Well, because I think she's friends with Kristen Bell. Um, uh, she's, she's on Scream
1: Queens right now, the, the TV show, and she
2: has a recurring role. She has a couple episodes a season. New Girl, which she's really good on.
1: She's always funny on New Girl. She plays Zoe's mom. Yeah, um, I, we love she, her. She said she hasn't really just, want to do movies anymore. Yeah. She's kind of largely retired, and of course, she makes yogurt commercials,
2: which she's great at. She's she's a star. I mean, and as someone with poop problems, it you know it it means a lot to me to see big star up there. You know, talking about their own poop mm-hmm. on television.
1: So, and then now Ben wants to talk. Tom Arnold, more like Tom Yarnall.
2: <laughs> Tom Arnold, he is. Oh, no, we don't need to talk so about Tom Arnold gross
1: in this movie. Yeah, he really disturbed me in this movie.
2: I mean, we could just do a flyby, but Tom I Arnold. Didn't like it, Tom Arnold, stand-up comedian, right? Sure. Starts sitting Roseanne Barr. Mm-hmm. I think she's out of the first marriage where she had all the kids that the show was based on, that mm. the sitcom was based on.
1: Uh yeah to Bill Pentland or right. her whoever who she was married to for like 15 years or something right. and then she marries Tom Arnold right from 90 to 94 they are married and they are like bizarrely like tabloid material
2: well and here like uh, the other factor is that a lot of made a lot of people resent Tom Arnold and Tom Arnold in my household I was raised as like this guy fucking sucks like my dad would always well, go like because he was like, like a worst. notorious monster right yeah but the other factor is she finds the stand-up who's like a middling stand-up she marries him She hires him on the show as a writer and then puts him in as an actor marries him exactly like she it, it's it, she pushes him up the ranks of hollywood you know kind of quickly like yeah. he's in the writer's room and everyone's like this guy's not qualified to be head writer and she's like okay head writer like she keeps on like promoting him sure, sure, sure. you know now he's a regular on the show now he's the star of movies and then they like hosted snl together it was like she was so big and she made everyone have to take him if you I want mean, me you gotta take him
1: roseanne's crazy i mean the, the story of the tv show roseanne is crazy but yes. that they also they were i think they were doing a lot of drugs they were certainly drinking a lot and they were they like were hypersexual tab- and he got a tattoo of her yes. on
0: his chest yeah
1: he got married a couple times since. I just want to say, in two thousand nine, he's now sober and mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, he got married in Maui to his fourth wife, uh, who I think he's still married to. Yes, Dax Shepard was his best man.
2: Sh- shrug. I don't. I have nothing for you. Why? I don't know why. David's not even shrugging. He's waving his <laughs> arms in the air like Howard Beale and Network. He's losing his mind.
1: <laughs> but so before this, he'd been in some movies. I guess. He's in Conan I uh, mean heads, not Conan. Yeah. Uh he's but like he's in true lies and I feel like at this moment people are like, Oh, Tom Arnold is like a comedy star in the making, right? We've got a Tim Allen on our hands or something, right? This is gonna be like a crossover success. Well
2: well, this is actually cause I listened to his WTF. Oh, I um, did not. Cameron cast him. Cameron thought he was funny. <laughs> Uh, Tom Arnold at that time, public opinion of him was so low. Everyone was so tired of having him hoisted upon it Already
1: them. at that point people were sick of Tommy. Yes, mm-hmm. 100%. Sorry, Tommy.
2: So they actually kept him out of all the advertising for the He's movie. He's not in the advertising, but the advertising is just Schwarzenegger's big face. Yeah, But, but I'm telling you, they consciously okay. were like people don't like Tom Arnold. They did a test screening. He tested through the roof, but they were like people don't think they want to see him. Right. They The audiences like him in this movie. So that was like the big thing was they like hid him from the movie and then people liked this people performance. Liked in the movie. It did well and then they tried to make him a leading man and that was a well, conclusive failure. Then
1: he's in Nine Months. The Stupids. He's in Big Bully. Carpool? He's I can't in believe we're carpool. Doing this. Yeah. <laughs> He's in Touch, whatever that is. I don't know. I don't think he's the and in that one.
2: But that's the big uh, run of leading in, performances. Uh,
1: huh, huh, excuse me. Exit Navy. Oh, McHale's Navy. Uh, Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> he pops up in our, uh, Austin Powers.
2: He's really good in that. I rewatched Austin Powers like uh, a week ago. I'm he's really remember. good. Is he show he,
1: number two? Who's boss? Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, the yeah.
2: cowboy in the bathroom next to him in Vegas. Yeah, he yeah. is funny. He's really good in
1: that. And then I think it's finally like okay, out of here. That's that's enough, Tom Arnold. And you don't see him again. Real, I mean, he's in stuff, but uh, I Exit think ones. I think of yeah. Okay, fine. He's now, I don't remember. I, I, I think of happy endings the Don Roos movie sure. which is like him beat where you're like oh who knew about Tom Arnold right here he is in by, a dramatic role
2: By the time Austin Powers came out he had had enough successive leading man flops in a row that I remember being there in the theater with my dad when Tom Arnold came on screen mm. he was like ugh yeah And it's just a cameo and he actually does a good job my dad was like you know the best thing i can say for that movie is they actually made Tom Arnold funny Uh sure Right, Like, I think they probably shot that cameo being like, yeah. Tom Arnold, right. you know, high tide raises all ships. And then by the time it came out, they were like, we got to overcome. High tide
1: raises Mikhail's
2: name. <laughs> That's what they told themselves in pitch meetings. That's what they told
1: themselves. Um, um, anyway, he plays Gib Gibson.
2: Yeah, who's gross. He
1: is Arnold Schwarzenegger's partner. Which makes no sense. Yeah, he's kind of chubby. Yeah. He drives
2: the car. He's very everyman.
1: Very everyman. He's the guy in the van who's, like, listening on the headphones and helping out.
2: He's like a henpeck sad sack.
1: But he's got, like, way too much self-esteem in this movie. You know what I mean? I feel like part of the joke is supposed to be, like, oh, yeah, he's, like, kind of the schlubby partner. But I don't know. He's making a lot of weird sex jokes. A lot. He just sort of seems really high on himself as a secret agent, which I guess... I mean he is a secret agent. I guess he should be proud of that. I guess own it, Tom Arnold. Well, I don't know. And
2: I feel like <laughs> he's just a creep. I feel like in real life, secret agents look more like Tom Arnold than they do like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right?
1: That and if you want to make a movie about that point, then that's fine. And but... I think <laughs> this is an issue with the
2: movie. Is like, of course, like spies become glamorized by movies, but I think sure. in real life they're just kind of fucking guys like Tom Arnold. Sure, maybe. Yeah. But it's very jarring when you have the guy who's like maybe the real world version of a spy up against the guy who is the most fantasized, like, cinematic version of a spy. Right. The one guy who, like, can't move, cannot, like, slip into his environments. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger could never go unnoticed.
0: But
1: also...
2: Right. But
1: also, this is not a realistic movie. No. They work for something called the Omega Sector. Right. It's a made-up thing. Yeah. They're spies. Like, the joke is that they're spies.
2: This is not about CIA agents. I know. But but, but then Tom Arnold is almost realistic casting. That's what I'm...
0: We're saying the same thing.
2: I know. It's a, we're we're not arguing with each other, we're arguing with the movie. I also agree with you too. Thank you Ben, you're a great friend and a better producer. In a moment, you'll learn what makes true lies a signature James Cameron Arnold Schwarzenegger film.
1: So the opening of this movie, which we don't need to talk about, is is what exactly what you'd think. Yeah. It's just, look at him. Isn't he a spy, Nice party. He slips in. All the women turn uh, their heads. He swims. He's a smooth operator. And then he swims. He gets out of the- Nice to
2: see you again, Chancellor. Uh, Who's that guy? I don't know.
1: It feels like uh, James Bond spoof, which is what La Total is, which is the movie that this is based on.
2: And La Total, let's make it clear, uh, did not cost $115 million.
1: Yeah. uh, I'm going to guess the budget on that one was, I don't know, a few francs.
2: Yeah cuz the fi- the final gross was 13 million which was like a smash runaway success. For France it is. It's right. good good so money. I'm, I'm saying it probably cost 4 million at most.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a Claude Zidi movie and Claude Zidi uh who plays Asterix. Mm-hmm. I know him best as the guy who plays Asterix in, in at least uh, the first few Asterix French movies. Mm-hmm. He's like a big French comedy star and uh he uh you know, the French love those movies like the the artist guy made a bunch of those spy spoofs as well. Yeah, and Michelle the OS, has an uh, uh, Yeah, uh, OSS one seventeen, which
2: uh, Dujardin's amazing at.
1: Yeah, but he, they, they they like making fun of that. Stuff.
2: Uh, he did not star in it. A guy named uh, Terry Lhermet starred in it. No, no,
1: he right, he made it. He, right, he, he directed, he directed right? it. Right, yeah.
2: And that guy's sort of like, you know, it's not a perfect parallel, but he's sort of like if Steve Carell starred in this. Yeah, we say You've definitely he, hasn't he's he's been a lot in of shit. He's been
1: in American movies, hasn't he? I, I feel think like so. you'd recognize that guy's face.
2: He's in a lot of stuff, but it's but it's like he's like a Steve Carell type, right? Absolutely, yeah. someone like that. I mean, he's like a, a comedy star who also can do drama and has sort of very conventional, sort of like every man, yeah, a nice
1: looking guy, looks. but nothing nothing extreme,
2: right? Yeah. And I think that movie is more based in most. French comedies are sort of social farce, you well, know, comedy of manners well, type. Yeah, that's stories. the other
1: thing to crucially note is that, of course, that is like a bedrock of French comedy is like mistake, you know, double yes. identities and like people like changing their you know, like costumes and their attitudes and, balancing and their the politics and, of
2: different aspects of your life and different relationships and, like and domestic
1: stuff like that. shit, like yeah. you know, being you know the sort of notion in France that you would like hide secrets from your wife. I don't mean to impugn all French people. Sure. But that is a notion that I think a lot of French people would totally get comics. on board with. Yeah,
2: But and, French comics are always about culture clashes. Always
1: culture clashes. Almost always someone hiding some Deception. deep secret. Yeah. They love secrets. Yeah. Remember that movie, uh, The Closet? Yeah, I... Which was like an extraordinary hit in France.
2: Yeah, I like that movie.
1: It's fine.
2: And he's mostly, in that too, Terry Limited or is, whatever it, his name is. Yeah, he's it, one of the guys day. who antagonizes him. But yeah.
1: Daniel Ote, who is again a serious French actor in that movie, but right. like he's funny. That, like... Yeah, I mean like the, what the movie's just about a guy who pretends he's gay. He pretends
2: he's gay so, so that like, they can't fire him. Yeah. And then everyone starts to go like, "Oh, uh, uh, I don't know how to behave around you yeah. anymore because that's enough in France." That's yeah. like, that's an idea. I'm really surprised they never remade that movie. Like you couldn't do it today, but in like 2001, that you movie maybe feel, felt re- I mean, so prime for it. This a is
1: America like they made I now
2: pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Right. Like, you know, these movies existed. Yeah. Now I don't think you No, could you couldn't today, but at the time I was like, they're going to remake this any second now. But there are a lot of French remakes I mean, it was like uh, Three Men and a Little Baby, which was humongous, sure. was a French remake. Uh, it's Three Men and a Baby and Three, three Men and a Little, little Lady. lady. Sorry. yeah. am uh, the Yeah, The
1: Visitors, they remade that. Which
2: was unsuccessful. Usually unsuccessful. Um, I mean, often uh, Jungle to Jungle was a remake of Little Indian in the Big City, which was a humongous hit. Huge. Jungle to Jungle was a humongous hit? The original French film it was oh, based oh, oh, off of, oh, sure. Little Indian in the Big City, was humongous. Yeah, but in France, you mean? Yes, yeah. Jungle to Jungle was a solid double or triple. The Leggette? The short that was then
0: developed... Twelve, Monkey. Twelve Monkey. Monkey. That's yeah. a That's a French art movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking, yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, more about the comedies. But yes, yes, Ben, you are our finest film critic. Thanks for the excellent, Paul. No problem. Um, so, yeah, True Lies, I have to imagine didn't really go too much into the action sectors of the idea.
1: Probably didn't blow up a suspension bridge across, you know, like a giant or part like of the a, ocean or like a horse whatever.
2: versus motorcycle chase <laughs> that's a through funny, a hotel lobby. That's
1: a funny, it reminded me of that line in adaptation where he's like, it's like horse versus
2: man or whatever. And that's when the movie feels like it knows what it's doing and it's in on the joke. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that joke costs as much as the thing but you're making. I funnel. don't have a problem with that. I don't have a Let problem the with that. Th- expensive. You're so, here's the thing. I don't have boner. a problem with that like um, sort of morally or anything. It just feels you like you can't really make fun of the thing if you are the thing.
1: Okay, I get that argument the fine line you're walking where it's like, well, wait, you have just made an action movie. This can't just like, this can't get away with making fun of action movies. I right. get I get what you're, you're saying. You're reaping
2: all the rewards of it and even though you're making fun of the fact that this guy is more threatened by his wife wanting to sleep with someone else than having a gun in his face, it also feels like it gives the Arnold character, all the support and satisfaction he wants. It all pays off for him. You get fucking Bill Paxton pissing himself twice. So it's so clear that he's the guy you're supposed to like so, all right, well, okay, be aligned all right, with. So let's get to the plot. Okay. All right.
1: So we have this, we introduce him. He's a spy. Yeah. He does spy things. He's on the tail of some spy uh, villains. Does who- a little
2: dance with T Career, which everyone wanted to do in nineteen ninety four. Everyone I- wanted to dance with T Career
1: uh tia carrera however is it tia carrera yeah uh, uh, who had been in uh, obviously wayne's world uh, uh and, less wayne's world ago, yeah. and less obviously wayne's world Two, and less obviously wayne's world Two and rising sun she was uh she was a hot star yeah. of the moment who did not happen no no although she, she was in those what, the librarian or is that noah wiley
2: what was it called yeah librarian with noah wiley is she in those no, she had Relic Hunter. That's oh, Relic called. Hunter. She
1: had some TV, uh, you know, kind of ongoing, uh, yeah, Relic Hunter. She gives a
2: very good voice performance as the older sister in Lilo and Stitch. She does. She's very nice. She's very good. It. And then she sings a couple songs. She's got a lovely voice.
1: But but anyway, this is her at the moment where she's just like kind of like a, a famously beautiful actress, yeah. right? She's just the kind of person who's going to be in a movie in 1994 and not even 1996. Like it was thought, already kind of oh, over I think for she had her. pretty
2: good chops, actually. You watch this film, I think she plays her scenes well. She does. She has no character. She has no character.
1: Uh, but as a sort of uh lady who is at first nice and then mean, she's good.
2: she she quits herself.
1: Yeah. So Arnie's on the tail of some spies. Yes. I mean, some bad people. Yeah. Stealing weapons, uh-huh. nukes. Ooh. And then oh, he goes home. Oh, he's married. Oh, he's a no. boring office drone, or oh, he pretends to be. This is the
2: real danger zone. Yep. We're both slapping our foreheads. When he
1: said, I do, he never said what he did. Oh, uh, marriage. So you've yeah. got Jamie Lee Curtis in like full, like dowdy 90s. Oversized like,
2: glasses. Yeah,
1: giant glasses. Now, we
2: know that Jamie Lee Curtis is good at having short hair, but what if the short hair wasn't sexy? <laughs> hey, now. They've got a teen daughter played by Eliza Dushku. Who looks like a human hacky sack. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of that while watching and knew I would get that response from you. David laughed so hard he <laughs> oh, took off his headphones. it's good. It's a good line. Right? Yeah. She's, she's got a little hat like- and she's holding a pet the whole time and she's grungy.
1: Yeah. It's like if if uh, John Connor had aged three years yep. since Terminator 2 but didn't have to worry about saving the world, just
2: about getting laid. Yeah. Uh, so and, she, and that is her entire character is that she wants to get in the back of a bike with a boy yeah and Tom Arnold's and like her daughter makes
1: a lot of uh, what's the word uh implications about her sex life yes. to Arnie and Arnie's like oh hey man like don't talk about that stuff to me whereas he should be like hey. What is
2: the matter with you?
1: Yeah. Stop talking about my daughter's virginity. Why are you so interested
2: in my daughter's virginity?
1: She is 14 years old. If she was 24 years old, this would be weird. Yeah.
2: Uh, Now, I know you've already, like, raked me over the coals for misidentifying how long certain sections of this movie run. Oh, boy. And I didn't take a stopwatch to it, but I do think that conversation about Eliza Dushku's uh, virginity in the movie lasts for 55 minutes. I think-
1: Right? I mean, it, isn't it sort of it's like a it's like an interstellar where you're too close to the black hole, right? Like time starts it's to move It's two mirrors slowly. facing each
2: other and it goes into infinity. <laughs>
0: you're
1: sort of just like, when is this going to end? And he's like, one more thing about your daughter's
2: vagina, though. Like yeah. he just won't stop. I do think this is important because that is the entirety of her character development. Uh
1: and I guess, you know, when you see her you're like, oh, well she's going to end up getting kidnapped or whatever. Yeah, and she does. But it's actually not as big a deal as you think it's going to be. Like, it's almost an afterthought, right at the end of the movie.
2: But I think it pays into this gross thing where oh, the total. the movie, the success of the movie is he stops another guy from fucking his wife and he saves his daughter so she doesn't get fucked either.
1: It's, uh, yeah.
2: Like I'm not saying the terrorist in is going to fuck no, the no, daughter. No, no,
1: but you're right. No, there's because there's no virtue. other character there. No, yeah,
2: yeah. He comes home. He gives her the snow globe. Oh, thanks, Dad. She throws it out. Uh, She's what actually a loser. Uh, pretty great. I think she's good in it. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is
1: she's going to be in Buffy four years later. Mm-hmm. And, bring it on, and she's in Bring It On. A couple she brings years it on. after that, but I mean, like, and Buffy, her her character is a bigger version of this, which is so just like all toed, like leads with toed, yeah. too. Uh and in this, there's nothing else. In Buffy, obviously, there's a little heart behind it. You know,
2: was she your she's... dream girl when you saw this movie, Ben? Um, no, she feels like a female Ben a little bit.
0: Yeah, I suppose. But I, I, suppose, track. But yeah. I, I mean. I think it was uh, just Jamie Lee. You were into Jamie Lee? Yeah. Okay. Hey, can I make a quick point, guys? At any point. Mm-hmm. Great. So there's the scene where Arnold's talking about, you know, what he was doing on his business trip. He oh, He's yeah. like lying, like, really badly. Mm-hmm. It's like a terrible performance. But yeah. this moment and a
2: couple other moments made me think ben, of Trump. Ben, I'm sorry. Did you say it's a terrible performance? Yeah. Well, play the clip quickly. Arnold is great at everything. Yeah, Arnold's good at everything, Ben. You're right.
0: Ah. But
2: it reminded you of Trump?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It just made me think, uh, especially the way he was talking, like his, like, sort of like the language and the way he was talking. It was like Trump to a T. It's magnificent. So good.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, that's for a movie called True Lies. A big cornerstone of this character is that he cannot lie convincingly. No, not at all. He's barely, barely selling it. And when his wife finds out that that he's a spy, she's like, "That's impossible! This boring schmo." Okay, so opening chase, he gets back home. He gives the snow globe. Eliza Dushku's giving him the toad. His wife's boring, and then he goes back to the office with Tom Arnold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at Omega
1: Sector and Charlton right. Heston's their boss, Grant mm-hmm. Heslov, who later becomes a writer and a director. Yeah, and George Clooney's pal, producer, uh, Smokehouse. Co- but he didn't he direct the Men Who Stare at Goats?
2: I believe he did. Yeah. Yes, but he uh, he produces all of Clooney's movies and yeah. writes them with him, and they they have their smokehouse shingle together set up at yeah, WB. Pictures,
1: yeah, um, you know, uh, he's an office drone. Yeah, I think he's partly included because James like, Cameron is smart enough to know like you got to should- balance out. Yeah, we shouldn't just have all the villains be these sort of brown people. Like these, uh, the these Crimson evil Jihad. Middle Eastern. Yeah, they're called the Crimson Jihad. Yeah. It's and very this is a very pre nine eleven
2: movie. This is I mean it, it's a very post Gulf War movie. Yeah, this movie is so of its time in every single way. <laughs> yeah. In terms of where it stands politically like, on everything.
1: I'm not saying that Hollywood. Like treats Middle Eastern people with respect these days or whatever, but it wouldn't just have like a literally just a bunch of turbaned guys
0: with rocket yeah. launchers who and just beards. hate America inherently. <laughs> but also think about how safe we were at the time that we would actually right. portray terrorists yes. coming into our country with nuclear bombs. Yeah, and yes.
1: be have it be like oh another day at the office for Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I mean, and their plan is to set off some nuclear bombs in every city. It's not like they don't even like. And, like, the movie's not like, oh, they, because this. No, no, they just hate America. Yeah. Crimson Jihad. I guess this is right around the bombing of the World Trade Center had probably happened. You know, like. Yeah. It uh, was
2: 92, maybe? Uh, I don't know. I mean, who, yeah. 93. 93.
1: Uh, so, yeah, you know, I don't know. But, I mean, it's just, you watch it now, you're like, oh,
2: oh, yeah. boy. Tom um, Heston is literally playing Nick Fury, which I find really interesting because I'm sure at this point in time, Cameron was like, oh, I can just have. Charlton Heston play someone who's, like, transparently a Nick Fury type because they're never going to make a movie with Nick Fury in it. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. No, it's like,
2: fair. Nick Fury's never going to be in a movie. I can just put an eye patch on Charlton Heston. and No Act, one, will, like no that one character. will even object. Right. No one will know. It'll just be an inside joke for some people, for a few little souls. Um, okay, so all that's going on. And then how does Arnold find out about fucking Bill Paxton? He goes to her office and she's not there. He goes to her office oh,
1: and, and hears her overhears her chatting to a coworker about, like, this mystery man who she's interested in. Yeah. And hears her on the phone, and then she leaves all of a sudden. He catches her in the lie later. Yeah.
2: but, but He goes but, back home, and he's like, oh, I went by your office today. lunch. Lunch. How is the lunch? And she's like, oh, wouldn't you know it? And she does this scene really well where she talks about the problem with the printer and the ink and having to go up to a different floor and makes it into a whole big dramatic story. And it's like she's now playing the part of the boring domestic wife. She doesn't want him to know that anything exciting is going on in her life. So she's making the story as banal and uninteresting as possible. She's good in that scene. I think she's good in every scene. I think it's a terrific performance. I agree. Um, and then Arnold goes on to the, like the major offense and is like, I'm going to use all the resources of this spy agency I work for to spy on my wife. And Correct. stop this other guy from and giving her the D. And this is in the middle
1: of a crisis in which terrorists are targeting a nuclear weapon. Yeah. And it's right after he just had that long chase scene, which is the second set piece in the movie,
2: with the, the horse, horse and the hotel and all that crap. And let me make it clear. When I say that he's trying to stop uh, someone else from giving his wife the D, he's not trying to stop someone from hiring Caleb Deschanel to beautifully lens his wife in, in stunning yeah, we should, Wide we should mention...
1: Uh, well, no, this is not a Caleb demon. That's
2: what I'm saying. Right, he's right, not right. trying to do that. This is uh, Russ, he,
1: Russ Carpy. He's trying to give her the
2: dick. He's not trying to give her the D.
1: Okay, so... Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to move right past this, uh, but it is creepy, right? So this is... We should talk about this. Yeah. So the central... The, uh, the middle hour of the movie yes is all about this, basically.
2: It's that the greatest threat in the world is that your wife would not be sexually satisfied by you.
1: Even though you... The movie has spent 40 minutes setting up how shitty a husband you are. Right. Like, forget
2: the lies which we can forgive. That's one thing. He is, like, completely... He barely cares. There's no remorse. He's emotionally distant. He seems to completely neglect her. It, it, he doesn't feel, like, the weight of, like, God, what's happened to our marriage? We've grown apart. It's like he just doesn't give a shit. And they often talk about the fact that they haven't had sex in forever. Yeah. So he's not present for her in any possible sense. He's lying to her, he's not emotionally present for her, and he's not physically present for her at all. He sucks. He sucks. But the idea that she would sleep with someone else... How dare she? ...terrifies him. And that's where you know the reason why cuck has become this like fucking like. Do we have to litigate every fucking awful word of this
1: current sociological moment? No, in but the, but the idea is
2: these these MRA like alt right <sighs> dudes think the most offensive thing you could ever say about someone else is that their wife would want to fuck someone other than them, or their girlfriend would want to fuck someone other than them, which gets in these gross connotations of like you know your job as a man is to like own. Your woman, that she's your property and no one else should have any piece of her, you know? Yeah. So, like, Cuck becomes this, like, horrible fucking insult. Okay. All right.
1: We, we have, we are an hour in and we're not going to talk about Cuck This anymore. movie <laughs>
2: is, like, based all around that same central fear, which is, like, yeah. if your wife. Okay. No, go ahead. Is getting the chanel yeah. from all someone right. else. Oh, all right. All
1: right. I'm cutting you off. We, then everyone, you have no value as a everyone man. Everyone knows what you're talking about. And the movie would be fine if it was mocking Arnie's
2: uh, insecurity. But it feels like he's, they kind of think he's right.
1: It feels a little too much. It goes back and forth. Like, it goes back and forth. Scene to scene. And the biggest problem is you have all this stuff with Bill Paxton that is very good because Bill Paxton is very funny. He rules that. So all the scenes with Paxton pretending to be a spy to impress Jamie Lee Curtis uh, are funny because you kind of get the, get the con he's running. I mean, she seems maybe a little like an idiot, which is a
2: little too bad because you feel like, I don't know, go on. And so. this is the central hook of the French movie. From what I gather, the French movie is far more based in that. Right, well, it's right out because, like, as
1: someone watching an action movie, you're like, wait a second, so she's maybe dating someone who's pretending to be a spy while her husband's a spy pretending not to be a spy, like, this is too many
2: plates spinning, like, I I don't know if I need this, why can't she just have a... flirtation with an office guy well and especially when the first 45 minutes have nothing to do with that and the last 45 minutes have nothing to do yeah oh, guys i like that part of it I, no, no the, i we like it too it I just think it's great but we're saying that should be the whole movie because the french on movie on yeah. the french movie sets it up as here's a guy who's lying about being a spy his wife and he are distant and she starts maybe having an affair with a guy who's pretending to be a spy lying about being a spy it's the inverse and the whole movie is centered around that sort of triangle yeah. of the three people. This movie loads so much stuff around it. It does. That, that just feels like a thread. No, you're just getting more movie, baby. <laughs> well, but that, okay, so. It's like a MacGuffin. It's like a plot just, activator. I'm,
1: yeah, I guess so. Anyway, Bill Paxton's pretending to be a spy. Arnie goes on an extended drive with him, in which Bill Paxton is like, hey, yeah, my whole thing is I pretend to be a spy, I'll tell you this. That and, gets him wet. Yeah, oh, gets and he makes God. all these gross jokes. He's very, gross. again, as we've noted, very good at being yeah. a
0: creep. Arnold got has a fancy about punching him in the face. The kit. Yeah. Is really do you cool. remember when they do the close-up of his kit that he, like, uh, it's like a flashback of when him and Jamie Lee Curtis first met? Yeah. And she, like, brings that suitcase oh, like, yeah. with oh, her yeah. from the Chinese food restaurant? The like gun and the passport like, and the money. That is yeah. the grossest thing you could do yeah. as, like, a dude is, like, trick a woman and also put together a kit. Right. Yeah. But, and it, like it is gross. Like
1: yeah. a And, like, and then, but then the movie is, like, there's that bit where he's like, I have a small dick. It's really lame what I'm doing here. Like, it's really sick. And you're like, yeah, okay, movie. We, and then, we already
2: thought he was a jerk. And then he pees himself for the first of two times
1: in the Oh, festival. no, he poops himself, too. Does he? The second time? They don't. It's subtle. Did
2: you watch this in 4DX, <laughs> This movie is subtle.
0: <laughs> yeah. This movie if is there's subtle. A
2: mov- if there's a word for this movie, subtle is it. Yeah. All right, so. But it's like the audience already knows that this guy sucks.
1: To and have, also that he's not a spy, and even though the movie, I feel right. like, is trying to be like, he's definitely not a spy, or is he?
2: You know, like- but to have him himself offer up the information that his penis is not only small but doesn't work well feels like an Arnold note, which is like, I want everyone to know this guy's a fucking loser, you know? Yes, and definitely. So we already know it, Arnold. And he's like, no, he needs more. He's <laughs> more of a loser, I'm Arnold.
1: <laughs> so there's all the packs and stuff. And then you know Jamie Lee backs out like he takes her to this like remote cabin and tries to sleep with her. Jamie I love Lee's that not bit where it. he's like,
2: "They already got guys watching my my penthouse in Paris. We're gonna have to hide out here." <laughs> yeah, like good. he acts like his I shitty know. little place That's his backup. Yeah, is like his backup, like one of his seventeen but hideout. Packs. Here's
1: where I want to get to. Here's where the movie loses me because I'm yeah. actually I'm willing to be on board with most of the stuff happening so far as long as the sort of rug pull is good.
2: And if it feels like the movie is setting up Arnold as being almost the bad guy of the movie. Exactly. Like they're both bad guys and Jamie and Lee's it the hero. Almost
1: does this anyway because Jamie Lee is so good. But then the scene where she, they interrogate her. Yeah. And Arnold and Tom Arnold.
0: Hey, they both got what's, the same. What's problematic about that scene,
1: guys? Where she's essentially been like. You know, grabbed and put in a cell by some scary men. And then they're talking to him through these distorted voices and they're being like, Did you sleep with him? You know? Yeah. And she's like, you know, crying and sitting on a chair. And then the movie is kind of being like, Oh, he's realizing she didn't cheat on him. And you're
2: like, Oh, who cares? A, ooh. And B, Arnold's incapable of playing that moment. He's not.
0: No, they're asking the question that's on everybody's mind Did. She banged that dude. Did he give her the (laughs) date? Yep, yep. Oh, God.
1: And so, to me, that scene is just all wrong. Even though Jamie Lee then kind of takes charge of it when she starts smashing the window. Yeah. But it just feels like boys will be boys is kind of the moral of Arnie's crazy expedition to, like, sort of entrap
2: and kidnap her and interrogate her. Which, you know, I mean, feels very gross. Uh... Especially in a post like locker room talk world where we're like so aware of this. But also like knowing that Arnold had this like years long affair with his like cleaning lady. But
1: I'm no, I'm saying don't even think about right now, don't think about Donald Trump, don't think about the cleaning lady. It's gross in and, and of itself. I'm just saying the scene just doesn't play. I agree. It could play and it doesn't play because it doesn't reverse it on Arnie. It enough. doesn't he work. doesn't really get a comeuppance in this movie. I agree. I agree, but
2: I think it plays even worse now than it did back then, and it always played. Portland. I'm
1: less interested in litigating a film in context. Okay. I mean, out of context. Yeah, so. I understand. But okay, but then you have the big. Stripping scene, the 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 dance scene, you know the
2: right. So Arnold, which again, very French. And at this point in the movie, let's just say Arnold has been abusing his status within the agency. Yeah, is no one like checking his line items here? Like, come on, this is a lot of money he's spending. He's sending like fucking helicopters and SWAT teams. He's having that French dude recording the VO. Crimson Jihad is stealing nukes, right? He's just forgetting about Crimson Jihad for like a couple days. I mean, this is probably millions of dollars and well, eyes spent, you know, away from you wandering know the things that they're supposed to be doing. Taxpayer dollars. You know
1: what you have to do with Crimson Jihad? Knock the hell out of them. Yeah. You got to knock the hell out of them. You got to build a big wall. Build a wall around them and knock yeah. the hell out of it so yes. it lands on them. Yeah. All right.
2: Tremendous. What if Trump just started campaigning on the grounds of being able to knock down Crimson Jihad? If he just, <laughs> Specifically Crimson Jihad. With these Crimson Jihad, they're trying to destroy our country. I'm going to destroy them. You won't even believe it.
1: Art Malik is the biggest If you've seen the movie True
2: Lies, I'm gonna do true lies times two.
1: It's gonna be true lies. Uh, who that's not Yarnel either. This is a new character.
2: It's Yarnold Trump. <laughs>
1: all right. Uh what um, do you make? Trump the I feel crimson like the most, crimson jihad, Yarnel right, Trump. Okay, okay. I feel like the most famous scene in True Lies is mm-hmm. the the bedroom, the hotel room scene. Yes. Right? The dancing. Right, right. Which is a very high wire moment. Sort of a weird mix of comedy and sexy
2: romance. I mean, everyone and, knows. Like, let's just set up. Bill Paxton made her believe that she was going to have to be an agent with him. Quote right, unquote. So they send him. They send her on a mission. Right. So they're now flipping the script back on her and saying, "We'll let you go without any charges." Now, you're,
0: correct me if I'm wrong. Women, though, or anyone really, loves when you're tricked into role playing. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, that's it's a cool thing, thing to do. But but it's so see, good.
1: No, but what what works about the scene is she. Uh, is dancing for Arnold, but it also plays into the larger plot of the movie. Wait, no, it doesn't at all. Yep. No, he's just setting up a sexy encounter for them where she can't
2: see his face? The scene works because it's a masterpiece of physical comedy.
1: And because Jamie Lee is really good. That's and what because I'm saying. James, and because James Cameron's a great director and he right. like lights it beautifully. He lights Arnold's face. Beautiful. You know, like, that shot you keep cutting to of Arnold, like covering his face, where you just see his eyes. He looks like such a predator, yeah, and such a creep. And I do feel like there's some you can read in to the movie there. And Jamie Lee's so awesome, yeah. But also, it's you gross. the whole time the you're, whole you're whole like, what the hell is disgusting? happening? Where's this going? But but it is. Now, yeah. If you take it in the French way, where the like where it's literally just like, what? This is how you rekindle a marriage. You know, a little bit of threat. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of anonymous, you know, like coercion. You know, so you just spice
2: it up in the forty, in your 40s. Look, I don't know if this scene exists in the French movie. I've never seen it. But I also think the French movie is so much more focused in terms of what it's exploring, whereas this has so much more going on in it. Mm. Different sort of threads and everything. Um, Jimmy Lee plays this scene beautifully. And this feels like the She's scene so where you're it's waiting partly... for them to like fully flip the script. And make it clear that, like, Arnold has completely acted the wrong the whole movie, rather than the film feeling like it has its back. Being mm. like, God, it is tough if your wife's trying to get the Deschanel, right? But, um, but it never really does. And it also is, I'm willing to go along with movie logic. I don't expect things to abide by the rules of the real world. Sure. But, but this is another scene where you look at it and it's like, okay, Arnold's in the shadows. She can see his body, but she can't see his face. He's got a tape recorder in which he's playing the lines that he had this French guy record in a VO studio, right? Right. I don't think she could walk into that room seeing his body and not recognize that it's him. I mean, he's got such a specific physical presence. I, you just,
1: know. you just have, this is Superman logic. You just have to go by the mental thing where it's she so hasn't tough. considered it yet. It doesn't matter. It's you, the same
2: thing where you want when Bill Paxton when he shows well, up at the fucking used car dealership to go, who the fuck are you? Why do you look no, this no, way? No, 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 but
1: it's, no. You're, the, the movie fails if you're thinking this way.
2: It's the one scene where it pushes it for me. I, it,
1: what do you that's, mean
0: Superman logic?
1: Where it's like no one buys knows that Clark Kent's Kent could be Superman even though they look the same. Superman doesn't even wear a mask. But because Clark oh. Kent's performance as a bumbling clod is so effective, no one would make the connection, right? But like Arnold that's Arnold the joke. do that.
2: Uh, yeah, fine. should but have I'm just, put glasses on. Well, maybe he should. Worn a hat or something. I don't know. Oh, that's a good call, Griffin like a butt. Yeah. So the scene's well shot.
1: It's it's great. I feel like we're being too negative about this movie, but I couldn't help thinking about this stuff. It just kept when grossing grossing me watching out when it. I was
2: watching it. Uh, like Arnold's character in this movie feels like the kind of guy who made fun of me in middle school. You know? I don't have those issues. I'm not projecting
1: that onto it, my friend. We were no. all these jocks who were making fun of you. Come not on. Not like literally, but it was
2: Austrian? Like, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> all these Austrian bodybuilders used to- The Austrian bodybuilders were the coolest kids in yeah. my school. You're Arnold Schwarzenegger. It, <laughs> um, it, it just, I, I don't know. I just kept on watching and being like, this is the kind of dude where if I'm at a bar and there's a finance bro who's talking this way, I, I leave the bar.
1: But I also think it is 1994. Yeah. That's not an excuse for how you view a movie to this day, but right. you know, uh, you know- I just think you know things were different, and this kind of shit was less uh, unusual. And what I don't know, James Bond movies were more sexist. Everything's the was movie
2: more... to hold him responsible a little. It more. does, and it doesn't, and it that's doesn't. the big
1: problem. Now, here's what I'll say. Then we finally lock back into the real movie. Yeah, you know the the Crimson Jihad bursts in. Mm-hmm. He gets they get taken prisoner.
2: Right, right she, when she she turns on Arnold because you think she's yeah, going to ch- because she's quote, unquote, been told he, he doesn't
1: husband. want to have sex. He just wants to look, and then he he's just trying to looking, initiate sex. Dance. She, like, then she tries to
2: attack him, realizes it's him. We don't have to go. Which is the help. most satisfying part of the movie is watching her hit him a bunch of times. Well, and I, then she realizes at the last second and goes, Paul, how is this possible? Well, Paul? What's his name? Isn't it, it like the, the character Harry? Harry oh, oh, Harry. Tassel. I don't know. Um, whatever. But it, but um,
1: I like that. And then I would say it continues to be satisfying when they are then taken prisoner and Harry has the truth serum injected in him.
2: Which is an hour and a half into the movie we're getting to this stuff.
1: If not an hour and 45 minutes. Right. It, right? I mean, right. It, it's the last act of the movie, except then there is that tacked on final set piece that right. is sort of takes like on the 20 last minutes.
2: Time. Yep. But she keeps on thinking that she's responsible for him getting caught up in this. That she's the one who got Yeah, well, at first, right. She's in like, in ah, spy I'm thing. sorry.
1: It's just, yeah, I'm on a spy mission. You wouldn't understand. He's like, I'm
2: a spy. And yeah. she's like, don't. Try to cover right. for me, you know. Tia Carrera is like, "Oh, nice to see you again." She's like, "Who the fuck is this?" Right, right. They're like, "I don't know her. She's a prostitute. Yeah, she's he's disgusting." He's trying to just yeah get right, safe and her. she's like, "How would I get this fucking locket?" The locket's funny because Arnold's got this really kind smile in the locket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I just love. I just I want to talk about the truth serum scene. Truth I just think Arnie's incredible in that scene. He's yeah. so funny. Yeah, when they're like, "Are oh, you know, are we gonna die?" And he's like. <sighs> Yes. <laughs>
2: I, don't, I can't even do the line exactly right. Well, he's, because he's not capable of playing naturalistic comedy. Mm-hmm. He's funnier if you put him in extreme circumstances like that, where you account for his lack of naturalism. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he's funny. He's funnier in Terminator 2 than he is in any of his comedies. Because yes. the comedy comes from a Without robot a trying to be funny. Yes.
0: Also, it's a better movie.
2: Right. But it's but like
0: he, anytime someone acting like they're on drugs, it's usually the worst. Sure, so right?
2: He can pull it off because he never seems like a normal person. <laughs> so if you add a qualifier like, "Well, but he's on drugs," then it becomes you're able to laugh at him because you go, "Like, well, that's got why this guy's so weird because he's on drugs."
0: Schwarzenegger but then, should be a, in a stoner movie.
1: You know, that, oh, that's a good idea. That a, is a good idea. So you know, there's that line that you did to lead off the podcast. Have you ever killed anyone? It was, yeah, but they were all bad. Yeah, and like, and then that. Great. I think it's a great uh, sequence where they're like, uh, you know, what's, do you want to say anything to me before you start? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill you. Then I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to kill you. I'm going to use this to do that. And, like, and he's like, how are you going to do that? And he's like, oh, because I picked my handcuffs. And then he takes them all yeah, down. That's awesome. It's a great, I love that. That's, I want a lot more of that in this movie.
2: Yeah. There, there are two <laughs> things that come up right now that I'm I- fine with the mistaken identity shit. I just, just squeeze it down a little bit. That's all. Well, that's, there's no reason this movie needs to be Cameron length or Cameron size. And I'm once again, not talking about the budget, but just in terms of like, you know, he makes epics, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even when the scope of what the movie covers isn't huge, the way he tells the story is huge. And I think he can't help but filter it through that kind of thing. But this story demands a sort of precision and leanness in order to work as any sort of trenchant kind of like, you know, social comedy. It's also just not
1: interested in having a villain like i feel like right. cameron's just been like you know what we're just not going to bother with a good villain right There's, we just don't have the time here
2: it's so the villain is very tossed middle eastern
1: off, which is yeah. is sort of boring and and then and, so, yeah and, and it means it feels that, reductive yeah it means that the multiple final sequences in the movie you're like eh, all right well can't they just die i mean benny you're fired or whatever yeah is
2: great Yeah, that's great Uh, But you don't feel, you feel no urgency for him to take this guy down specifically. Is this our least favorite James Cameron movie? uh, Other than Piranha, yeah.
1: I guess it's probably mine too. Yeah. That's sort of a bummer. I like this movie.
2: I'm really mixed on it. Um, Yeah, I'm mixed on it too. I'm sorry, yeah. There are two comedic set pieces I think work really well, and they're short. Mm Mm-hmm that come up right in the sequence. I feel like we've now done the whole movie. Pretty much.
1: Yeah, that's good. Right. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah we're, we're near the Which end. Which is episode. funny, because it is long. I know, but but it's like, what the fuck? It's just so drawn out. Uh, there's the scene earlier in the movie where he tries to, like, Cameron it up, where, like, Arnold Yarnold meets with Tia Carrera, and then he leaves, and then Art Malik comes in, and he's, like, dressed like a janitor, and then when he closes the door, like slaps her in the face, and it's like, oh, she's working for him, and then later in the movie, they say the thing where it's like, you think I care about you? You think I care about them? They just offered me more money and it's good money, you know? Which is like he's sort of trying to make everyone a little more human, you know? And he's sort of setting up that you should hate Art Malik specifically, not because he's a jihadist, but because he slaps a woman in the face. But it's like then you don't see him for an hour and a half. Like it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Is that sort of like saving the cat? Yeah, it's, the rever- it's honestly the reverse of saving the cat, right? Uh-huh. It's like here's a thing we're going to do to make it clear you're not supposed to like this dude on a, on a micro level. Uh, so that the macro, uh, you know, indiscretions become more insulting. Uh, the two things that I actually kind of like laughed watching the movie, uh, other, you know, a couple Arnold's line readings, but that's also like half laughing at half laughing. But nonetheless, at. that's part of the Arnie magic. Sure. Yeah. Um, one, I think there's one really smart, funny idea, which I would be astonished if it wasn't in the French original, which is the battery dying on the camera while the guy's giving the that's big speech. That's so funny. Maybe it is in the French. Maybe it isn't. It is really funny. It feels like a very French gag to me. I'll say that. I, I'm, it's not that I don't want to give Cameron credit, but knowing that it comes from a French film, that's a very, very French gag. Yeah. I also think the bit with Jamie Lee Curtis trying to shoot out the guys and then dropping the gun and then the gun perfectly as it lands on all the steps, only shooting the enemies. That, that
1: is one of those things where at first you're like, okay, I get it. And then it carries on and you're like, this is going on too long, and then it keeps going, and you're like, ah, I love this! It goes like, so the overboard. the gun is just so perfectly bouncing down. It, it makes feels no like an sense. Austin Powers bit. I mean, it feels it like does. it's so drawn And out. it's so not James Cameron because if you think about the spatial geography, of yeah. it, there's no way it
2: works, and nonetheless... And it's, it's the, those are the two funniest things in the movie for me because they both play off of Cameron just like putting something ridiculous into a very tense high stakes situation. Yeah. Which is what he's good at more than like one liners or little like behavioral stuff, you know? Yeah. It's like, what if you create a James Cameron scene and then something went wrong is the joke behind both of those things. But so they break out and then they fucking, you know, they save the day and whatever and they rush in. And uh, he kisses Jamie Lee Curtis and they tango. the explosion happens behind them. No, 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 no. And then Tom Arnold's like, I got some bad news. He did get away. He stole one fugitive. It's your daughter. And it's like, oh, fuck that. But that's, that is such a James Cameron thing. And Arnold, I, not the fake out bugs me. What bugs me is Arnold hears the news and immediately runs past Jamie Lee Curtis, doesn't tell her that the daughter's in danger, gets in the plane and flies away. Like, the whole movie's built up to this thing of, like, they work together now. Mm-hmm. She's his equal. And then the second there's the final threat, he's like, wait, I'm the only one who can save my daughter. He doesn't even message to her that the daughter's in danger. That's a good point.
1: Because this and it, it helps make, I mean, it hurts the stakes. It hurts the you stakes. You know that. But, I mean, also, the stakes are kind of non-existent anyway. What if the movie is, like, we finally rediscovered our marriage and then their daughter's a charred corpse right at the end of the movie?
2: But shouldn't she fucking go on the mission with him or whatever? Once again, it's like the man has to save the woman from being very true. You know, it's very true. Uh, They do this final set piece. Who gives a shit? He shoots the no. I think it's a fun set piece. I think it's a great set piece on the bridge. I think it looks great. That's the thing. It looks. We agree. I'm just saying. Looks good.
1: Yeah. And uh, you're fired, Benny. End of movie. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Oh, quite a scream from him. Yeah.
0: Ben, you like the movie. I still do. Yeah, it is I good. It's just, it's like iconic for me. Yeah, I, yeah. And like all of the things we're pointing out, like how it's aged. Uh, I mean, it's an unfortunate thing. I think we're just going to have to deal with with any older film at this point. Uh, but it still reminds me very much of my childhood. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think Ben's being fair.
2: At the end of the movie, I think Ben's being fair. I would just we call a a him time if we it?
1: wanted to give him like a nickname about fairness? Well, he's already the
2: judge the tiebreaker, whatever. Right, yeah, I don't know. Fair ban. I don't know. <laughs> uh, at the end of this movie, it cuts forward a year later. Oh, Benedy Fair. T- Benedy Fair is really good. Yeah. That's really good. I ten mean, comedy points. Yeah, right. It's a ten comedy points yeah. nickname. Yeah. The one year later to show the, that the, the family gets along well yeah. is the thumb war. Oh, yeah. And she's like, no, you have to keep your thumbs straight. It's like, this is how you... This is the coding to show you the family's getting along. Guys, the family's getting along. It's great. With a classic thumb war, they get the call. Oh, cool. They're agents together. And then they do, like, a replication of the opening scene. But now it's the two of them together. And they do the tango together. And that's nice. And,
1: and you're almost like, hey, man, I I check out a 2 realized a two. If realized it's two. her
2: having, like, equal weight to him, 100%. Yeah. You know? Because she's got yeah. more layers and more coloring. And it's interesting. And I... Like the movie where he has to respect her the whole time, which is what the end of the film sets up. Yeah. For years, there were sort of whispers of A True Lies too. Tom Arnold was always pushing that rock uphill because he wanted it so badly. <laughs> Poor Tom. He always was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then nine eleven happened and he was like, maybe we have to wait a little bit. And then Arnold got elected, and he was like, I talk to Arnold all the time. He says the second he gets it off is True Lies too. True Lies too is never going to happen. <laughs> no no, ma'am. But he still sometimes in interviews is like, oh, we what still else talk about What does he it. have to say? Exactly.
1: He's the punchline of a fantastic Paul F. Tompkins story. Tom Arnold? Yeah. Have you never heard it? Don't about- spoil it, but
2: give, give the thing it's, we, it's how his, we can look it up. It's his so anecdote, we can to- I
1: believe it's on his album, Laboring on Delusions, about being on the set of The Informant and watching uh, Matt Damon being handed a... A bowl of blue liquid with like jelly, a square of jelly in it, or something, and just eating it like nonchalantly, okay. and Paul, and no one reacting, and Paul Thomas being like, "What the fuck is going on? Is Matt Damon an alien who eats cubes?" And uh, and then yeah, you
2: should listen to that. It's really it very funny. Uh, very funny. This was the most expensive movie ever made at the time. A hundred? Are you sure? One hundred fifteen. One hundred. As much as listed as one hundred fifteen. Was T two only like a hundred or so? T two was like ninety seven. Oh, okay. I, I mean, who knows, there might have been some tricky accounting here, but this was the first movie on record as costing over 100 And at the time, it was certainly the number one most expensive movie. It feels like he was just like, I want to do the most of everything and, you know, spare no expenses. I mean, and of course, hey, this
1: podcast is called Blank Check. After T2,
2: you know, blank you're going to get a blank check, especially if you're reuniting with the star of T2. Can I make my quick argument for who I think should have directed this instead? Oh, yeah, of course. Because every point I've made is going to feed in perfectly. It's like a, the, here's the code. Who's the person? Paul Verhoeven.
1: Oh, interesting. I mean, that would be a very different movie.
2: I think the way this movie works is if you crank it up that much that it becomes so clearly, sure. knowingly satirical. Sure. it's um, I- not a bad suggestion. I think it'd just be a very different movie. I think Total Recall is the only movie that posits Arnold Schwarzenegger as an everyman that works because the universe around it is so insane insane. that you know not to take that literally. Good call. Good call on
1: Total Recall. Might be harder in True Lies because it's not set on Mars, but you know.
2: But I think, I mean, his movies that take place in the real world, if you imagine this with like a basic instinct milieu and then just like turned up, you know, I mean, Paul Verhoeven loves, he he is himself a, a bit of a chauvinist. And, but he is also uh, someone who hates everyone equally to a degree. So I think he would make Arnold's character a lot more openly disgusting. That's probably true. But he would also make him more lovable,
1: weirdly. Which I kind of like. I think he's well, the one anyway, guy who look, knows how it to... It didn't I- happen.
2: It's a good idea. Good idea, or It's right? an interesting Interesting idea. idea. A what if, and perhaps it'll be discussed more someday when we do, a Verhoeven suit.
1: Oh, that'd be great. Uh, the movie made... One hundred and forty-six million dollars domestic. Good number. Two uh, and uh, three seventy-eight worldwide yeah. for the time. Big very hit. good. Certainly wasn't expensive movie though, so maybe it wasn't like quite the money maker. Say T two was.
2: Yeah, I mean T two cost less, made more, but this was you still can't really because it a was solid an R rated movie. Like a, you yeah, know, this was a solid hit. Jamie Lee got close
1: to an Oscar now. I mean, this is a big hit. It got one nomination for visual effects. That's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it got, an, it got it got a Golden Globe win. It got a SAG nom, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Okay. The weekend is July 15th, 1994. Wow, right in the middle of summer. Okay. It's right in the middle of a very hot summer for okay. Hollywood in general. Um, The movie opened number one to $25.8 million. Okay. Number two is one of the big films of the year, which in two weeks has already made $72 million. Forrest Gump. Yeah, and guess how much it dropped by? Uh, 5%. 1.3%. Wow. Now, of course, Forrest Gump for the time was, a, 330 million domestic was one of the craziest hits ever.
2: It goes on, I mean, I think at the time was one of the five highest grossing films domestically. Quite possibly. I yeah. think it, at
1: least until recently, was Paramount's number
2: one movie of all time. Yeah. I believe that year we had two, two films enter the top five of all time domestically. And I would guess number three was the second of those films. Uh, Yeah. The Lion correct. King? Correct. Yes. Right. They were both in the top five at the time.
1: The Lion King, which in his fifth week has made $175 million on its way to 312 uh, domestic.
2: Yeah. I mean, both those movies would make over 600 Talk adjusted about, for inflation. I mean, They're just, cra- crazy, humongous hits. Yeah. Number
1: four is a film I saw in theaters. I also saw The Lion King in theaters. I did not see Forrest Gump in theaters.
2: I saw none of these in theaters. Uh, you were pre- you didn't see The Lion King in theaters, huh? Uh, I was terrified of death, and I knew it was a plot mechanic in the movie, so I wouldn't see it. Fair enough. I didn't like seeing movies that I knew were based around death. Fair enough. You yep. probably didn't
1: see a lot of movies. Uh, saw some very friendly
2: kid movies. Yep, and some of them, if we knew the death was at the beginning of the film, you arrive you'd arrive. I swear to God, that happened in Fly Away Home because we knew that the mom died of cancer <laughs> in the opening scene.
1: What a great movie
2: that is! Is that Caleb Deschanel too? I believe so. And Carol Ballard, yeah. I think that's Caleb Dishnow.
1: It definitely got a cinematography nomination. I just don't remember if I th- it is. I think, might well I think they gave the DNA. I one. saw this film in theaters though, number four. It grosses fifty million. It stars a young boy who would go on to become quite a famous actor. De Caps? What? Decaps? Caps? No, not Decaps. Caps. Young boy. Not quite De Caps level, but he's in a movie with Decaps. Caps. Marky Wahlberg's? Nope.
2: He's in think a movie. like real kid star. Well, not star, but, you know, right, kid of... actor. Well, the, uh, It's not Lucas Haas. It's not Elijah Wood. I'm trying to think of who. He's in a movie with Leo. He's just in a one. movie with Leo. hmm Before Leo
1: blows up or after? After. Way after. Way after. Oh, yeah. Like recent, like five years ago. Six years ago.
2: He was in a five years ago Leo movie. He was a kid actor, but he wasn't like a kid star. He was just he a was big a, actor. You know, he
1: was a fairly big kid actor, and then he made a fairly... Oh, oh. Ow.
2: Oh, oh. Is it Angels in the Outfield?
1: Yeah. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Correct. And Danny Glover.
2: And, uh, A nice solid Disney hit. 50 yeah. Mil is pretty good for I that like little that movie. I like that movie. I I like when they stand up and they wave the wings. That movie also had dead parents, but they were more alluded to than on screen, which meant yeah. I was down to see it.
1: I have I saw it in theaters. I don't think I've seen it since. I think I liked it in theaters. I might have seen it's it two just times that, in theaters. That run of Kid baseball movies in the mid '90s that were really being crammed down my throat. Rookie, there's of, the year. rookie of the year, there's the Sandlot, Little Big League, Little Big League. There's a
2: lot. There's a lot. Kids in baseball, baby. Number five is one of my absolute favorite films. To this just... is so far the best I've done in the You've box game. You've great. Killing, killing it. You're
1: yeah. killing it. One of my favorite films to just rewatch. I've seen it so many times. It is a big hit in '94. Made 120 million domestic on a $30 million budget. It's in its sixth week. It's a huge hit. Now... It was kind of a... What? Kind of a reboot? I, no, I was going to say it was kind of a rebound for its star, but I guess
2: he'd been pretty... It was a little bit of a rebound for its star after a few years of making kind of weird indie movies. Interesting. 94, and, and is it like a movie that you liked as a kid, or do you rewatch it now a lot as a grown-up because it's better as a grown-up movie? It's an action movie. Okay, I definitely liked it as a kid, and I've just always liked it because it's great. Is it Stallone? No. Is it Bruce Willis? No. Is it but You're doing a weird little hand thing no, like you're banging weird. a drum. There's nothing to do? Yeah. Give me another hand. It's an uh it
1: was so it's this slight, sort of sort of a rebound for its star, but it also introduces a new leading lady to Hollywood. Oh. Ah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's an R-rated action movie, quite violent. Quite. Although violent. not consistently, just has moments of violence.
2: And it's not Bruce Sly or Arnie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, we it, have been doing indie films. I'm kind of I'm kinda stumped I'm on this. I'm thinking it's Van Damme, but I don't no. know the movie. No, because no. I feel like it has to be someone who wasn't exclusively an action star, like a physical oh, presence correct. guy
0: so like that. Not that kind of a guy at all. Right. Kind of a
1: small guy. Although not tiny, but just, yeah, a little more compact. Well, it's not TC. So, no, Tom Cruise, no. no Tom Cruise. It's not TC-14. <laughs> no, it's not TC-14. It's not yet. Clint Eastwood. No
2: uh i give give me the actor counter reeves oh oh speed
1: correct
0: okay damn it yeah i
1: gave you some okay hints you did yeah i just I, uh, it's, yeah, a, it's, I wasn't a it's a tough one to talk about without giving it away but yeah. of course introduce the world
2: to sandy bullock
1: that's right and it has some great lines all written by joss whedon what yeah. a great movie great movie great movie so that's the top five that's your top five is
2: batman forever in the bottom of the ten?
1: No, Batman Forever is not in this. That's 95.
2: Oh, I thought that was 94. Okay. No,
1: it's, it's, I'm almost certain that's 95. I think you're right. Um, some of the other movies in the top 10, you've got I Love Trouble with uh, Julia Roberts and Nick Nolte. Oh, people didn't love that one. They did not. Uh, reporter movie. You got Blown Away. Uh, okay. The Stephen Hopkins movie with Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones. Isn't it like- a, Sure. It's some kind of action. I, I've never yeah. seen it. You got The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. <gasps> um, you got Wolf. Uh, Jack Nicholson,
2: Which my mom Mike always Nichols. contends is not a
1: movie. It is. It I happens. Know. And
2: I know she went to see it. I remember like my parents would go see movies. Yeah, my
1: parents also went to see that movie because it was a movie for grownups.
2: Right. And I, like, I would stay up late and wait for my parents to come home. And my babysitter would be like, okay, your parents are home. And I'd be like, how was the movie? Because I always wanted to hear how the movie was. And they were like, it's not great. And I remember them coming home and telling me about Wolf. And I've invoked it to my mother a couple times. And she's like, I don't think that's a movie. And I was like, it is. Mike Nichols directed a Wolfman movie with Jack Nicholson but and Michelle in, Pfeiffer. But in, like, the boardroom. Right, and yeah. she's like, I would have remembered that. And I was like, you've seen it. And what's the tagline? He's a real animal or something. The animal is out. Yeah, okay, cool, great. 10 uh, the, comedy points. The
1: Flintstones, which is also a film I saw in theaters.
2: A film that is almost incoherent. That, uh, the plot of that movie is incoherent. Labyrinthian. <laughs> uh,
1: that's a movie that I saw it in theaters, and my brother saw it with us, and he was five years old. And when we walked out of that, my brother was like, that was really bad. Yeah, like, I think, <laughs> even yeah. a
2: five-year-old was, I was not on I'm board. the same age as your brother. I had the same thing. I was <laughs> so hyped for yeah, I had Ezra's so eye. much Flintstones merchandise. I had a Flintstones lunchbox for years after that. Uh-huh. And I was so fucking pumped because I was a Hanna-Barbera kid. And sure. I went to see the movie, and I, I couldn't have told you what that movie was about. I it's rewatched about, it about like, a year ago. It's about,
1: right corporate malfeasance, The plot right? is
2: so bizarre. It's about—they take, they take a competency test, yeah. but the scores get mixed up. So Barney, who's an idiot, actually mm. turns out to be, like— an idiot savant. Right, right, right. But then Fred takes the credit for his scores because he thought Barney was going to fail, and he felt bad for him because Barney was going to get yeah, fired.
1: Okay, I vaguely remember this.
2: And Barney was going to lose his job, and he didn't have any money because they had just adopted the kid. But then Fred ends up thinking it was going to make it better for Barney, but it actually made it better a for nightmare, him. Nightmare, right? Because right.
1: they just adopted Bam Bam or whatever. Right. So yeah. Fred
2: becomes like a high roller, and he gets works up the ranks. But then is isn't sort of like, there
1: like some whole deal where it turns out like the company is like selling shoddy product at like right. a markup and they have to like uncover all of that. All these 90s movies, that were even the kids' movies were about like corporate. It's like, like
2: Wall Street, but with the fucking Flintstones. But the thing about that- Halle Berry plays Sharon Stone. And
1: it, it, yes, yeah. And doesn't it have nine credited writers or something crazy Probably. like that? Like a famously large amount of credited writers. It's
2: from the director of Problem
1: Child. It was like um, a huge Steven Spielberg production. Yeah, but the thing about the movie is it looks insane. Yeah. You'd never see a movie that looked like that. Now. No. The production values are kind of amazing.
2: Incredible. They, they built the whole fucking yeah, town of Bedrock. It's very They strange. also, there was so much merchandise for that movie, and I had like all of it, because they were convinced it was like coming the summer after, or two summers after Jurassic Park. No, it was the summer after. It was one year after. They thought it was going to be as big of a merchandising bonanza as Jurassic Park, because they were like, we got dinosaurs and humans. Sure. Um, and there were these articles of they were like, "This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for merchandisers." Like, mm-hmm. not since Batman is there All a movie right. that's going to blow up right. this All much. Right. I'm cutting off your. I had merch. the lunchbox and everything. I just keep mentioning the lunchbox because it was cool. It looked like Fred's okay. little right. lunch okay. pail. That's enough.
1: Um, uh, yeah, yeah the day do. out. Wyatt Earp, Schindler's List.
0: Hey, that's but uh, are we are we pretty much almost at the end of our episode? We are. Done. This is the guys. end of our episode. So yeah. very quickly, yeah. Uh, this is just a new segment. Uh, <laughs> we're going to call it on the
2: record. On the record, okay. Okay.
0: The reason why is because I thought, hey, you know, we have the uh, election uh, coming up, right? Sure. We have predicted how the election will turn out, and that'll be in a future episode. Yep. So I just want to point out that uh, I've also mentioned one of my favorite films of all time is The Man Who Knew Too Little Uh with Bill Murray. This movie is very much in the same territory, and I just want on the record to say, man, wait till you guys see The Man Who Knew Too Little. You're going to be blown away. It's so much better than this film. Okay. I agree. Why is that called on the record? Because just say because when because when we record the episode and you guys watch the movie, I'm gonna play this again, and you're gonna listen to me say this. What I'm saying now in the future.
2: The difference is with calling the election. That's like a thing where there is like a you know, unless you're Donald Trump, there's a solid result which we can all agree with. You're calling your shot that you think people will like one movie more. I just want to
1: say every day that I think about this election, I do think about the panic. That was in our voices when we terrible. recorded that bonus yeah. episode that will air in a few weeks that was going to air after the election. And just, I just want from to lose so that I can listen to that and laugh. Me too. And I just, that's how I want it to
2: be. By the time this episode comes out, we're going to be like just a week away pretty much, right? This yeah.
1: episode comes out and then election day is like eight days from then. Yes. Terrifying. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So the t- Titanic part one. is what oh, does
2: in between. Huh? Ducks in between. Oh, the ducks come after. You're ducks 100% after. right. Okay, so get ready. We've recorded this one, so there's no threat of a false guest promise here. ha! Big announcement. Titanic's a two-parter, baby. Yeah, yeah, Titanic's two parts. and
1: uh, Much like the VHS, we had to split it into it's two parts. It's two long episodes, and I feel like we didn't get to
2: everything. No, it's crazy. <laughs> There's too much to talk about that movie.
1: There's a baby in that one. It's crazy. Yeah, and
2: right. uh, two uh, past favorite guests coming back. Yep. Uh, we'll leave them as a surprise, but those episodes are in the can, and they're nutty, baby.
1: Yeah, if anyone's a big fan of the series though they'll have guessed who's gonna be on this. Yeah probably because they've on this on this show, I think, Asked their to interest. talk about Titanic. Yes. Okay, so That's next week. That's next week. That's next week. This is True Lies on the Record with Ben Hosley. Right? That's the name of the podcast? Yeah. 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 And uh, we're all wishing you a goodbye fennel and right, any last thoughts, Griffin? I'm putting my finger in the air.
2: Um uh no, I th- think uh, I I'd like to see the Verhoeven version of this movie. It's still more interesting. I don't like it that much, but it's like it's Cameron. There's always interesting stuff going on. There's immaculate craft, and uh, I just think this was sort of a breaking point for Arnold in terms of what you could get away with having him do as a leading man. How you could present him. I I wanted brief final thoughts, my friend. That was my final thought. Okay.
0: Uh, Ben. Ben is sighing. Oh, um, great horsework. Agreed.
2: <laughs> Agree. But did you hear Ben just go, oh. Yeah, I did. That was interesting. That's how we all feel, all the time. And as always, all the time, for me at least, I'll speak for me, all the time. Uh, And as always, yes, goodbye everybody from your friend Yarno. At least you didn't say cock. Cock.
0: (laughs) This has been a UCB Comedy Production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network.